Everybody, and welcome to the Lights Out Brother as we celebrate this WrestleMania weekend as we go 22 years back in time, brother, to a time of glory. We're out of Y2K, we're, in, we're, we're, we're a year out of there. All right, this is my way or the highway. We're rocking out with Limp Biscuit, all right, here on the Lights Out Brother. 2001 what what an era in wrestling this 2001 was too so because we are talking all about on this special lights out wrestlemania edition probably the most fan favorite wrestlemania of all time wrestlemania 17 yeah the 22 year anniversary to this date to the date brother april april 1st 2001 on here of course, we're dropping this lights out because we're about to have WrestleMania uh, 2023 here. Mm-hmm. So Just we thought nine. it would be. Yes. Which one is it? Is it 39 now? I think it's just 39. Wow. We're yeah, about to have 40. 39. Fuck. I remember when there yeah. was WrestleMania yeah, we 20. Were... Shit. <laughs> no, yeah. No kidding. I remember when it was WrestleMania 1, but yeah. still. <laughs> but yeah, I remember when WrestleMania, I remember the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania. Now we're about to do the 40th anniversary of WrestleMania. I know it's wild. So that I mean that's that's crazy to think that it's been 20 years since WrestleMania 20. And I wow. doubt they're going to do it at the uh, Madison Square Garden again. Cuz you know what I mean? Like that's what they did for oh, the no. 20th one. There's just no way. They, yeah. they they've been doing it in a huge. Now they might do it. Actually, I think it was already announced it's for it's, Yeah, it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah. So. Yeah. But everybody, yeah, you know, should, uh, go ahead. I was going to say we should make a retro blood field trip to WrestleMania 40. We should. Because I mean, if we can at all do it, I mean that'd be like the 40th anniversary of the of uh, WrestleMania. That'd yes. be a really cool milestone for us to be at. That would be cool. Because I I've been to WrestleMania before. We talked about this a little bit. You know, I went to the yeah. one they had in Dallas, not this last year, but the other one, 2016, I believe it was. Right. Um, that one was was it 32? Right at that time, something like that. 
32 sounds about right. 32, yeah. 33, one of the... It was all right. Like, the biggest thing about WrestleMania for a lot of people, you know, tuning into this show for the for the first time and everything, and, you know, want to get little, listen to some wrestling, or maybe you're a big fan of wrestling, you want to hear some guys talk about WrestleMania 17 and their memories, and we're going to yeah. talk all about that. But, you know, as somebody who's been to WrestleMania before, myself... In the big uh, AT&T Stadium. You know, so WrestleMania, you know, when you go to a big stadium like that, I mean, it is packed with people. That's for sure. These, these even have elevators to get up to the fucking seats and shit. Um, you know, it's just full. I mean, you know, so, you know, the AT that that's one of the biggest, you know, football arenas in, you know, America. But, you know, yeah. the biggest thing I, I remember seeing is just basically you see like a big, where I was sitting... All right, it's a big ass screen. All right, and then you look down there, like the the, the mat and the, the rain looks like two little ants. All right, going out like it. a postage stamp. So yeah, exactly. So basically, you're watching the screen the whole time, and the entranceway looked pretty good for all sitting. So yeah, yeah I, I have it's some. It's about the it's about the experience. It's, yeah, it's not really about seeing the matches, really. Yeah, yeah, and nowadays it's all about the experience. But what we're gonna be talking about WrestleMania 17. I mean, my God. Was there some awesome matches on this show? Yeah. I mean, they were still hot oh, at this point. This is, okay, so everybody, this is a very, very interesting year for the pro, pro wrestling scene and the World Wrestling Federation and pretty much the whole you know, wrestling in, um, in America at this time because, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's so much backstory to this whole year, 2001, and there's so much like change. And the, the wrestling scene of what we've been seeing for so long. Because, you know, for so long, you know, even what we talk about on our Retro Blood. Everybody check out the Retro Blood every Sunday where we talk about horror movies and 80s wrestling. You know, since nope. the 80s, even before then, there's always been a at least a top two promotion in the United States. You know what I mean? We had, mm-hmm. you know... The, the, you know, first it was the territories. You know, we had a bunch of different territories all around the globe. And then, you know, when Vince Man came over there, brother, Hulk Hogan taking over, you know, taking over all the territories, grabbing up all the talent, you know, we just didn't have, you know, they were the top dog in the 80s, but we still had Jim Crockett promotions, at least being the top number two. You know, even through the 90s and stuff, Monday Night Wars, you know, where WCW. You know, obviously won the rating more and then lost it. Mm-hmm. And, but we always had competition. We always had a known competition. And I'm not talking about like these, like, you know, we had ECW and we had, you know, uh, you know, Japan yeah. and all this. I'm talking about like the top two promotions where you can like, you can definitely tell like, okay, when you think about wrestling, we're going to think about WWF or WCW. And for the hardcore wrestling fans, yes, we are going to think about ECW as well. And then, well, yeah. And then here comes 2001, and it all just all forms into one, which is crazy to think about it. Yes, it was a it was a beginning. Uh, I, I say that it was the beginning of the end, um, or it was the end of the good times. Um, you could tell that after this, they did kind of start slowly going downhill. Yeah. And quality. Um, but, yeah, so this was the first WrestleMania after uh, um, WCW closed, right? Yes. They, like, literally, they literally 
bought WCW about like a week or two before this show. Really? Was it yeah. was it that close? That was that close, yeah. Because I believe wow, we had I the know, final we had the final uh Monday Nitro. And Pamina Pamina it was it like uh Pan- <laughs> I can't even say it. Pamela where was the city? You know, the the, the beach. Pan- Panama City. Panama, that's what it is. I would say Pamela. <laughs> Panama City. Say. We had that final mm-hmm. Nitro brother where you know Shane came out there and he he took over the company and everything. And that was in March. Like, I don't have the exact date on me right now, but that was in March. And then not even like a week or two later. Because all that happened during the build to this WrestleMania. So, and then not only that happened, but, <laughs> you know, Paul Heyman came on commentary. And while he did that, ECW was still going on while the owner of ECW was working for the WWF officially. And I remember yes. a lot of people talk about like, okay, are we running shows here in ECW or not? And like, you know, they were just in a bad financial state. And then basically right when Paul Heyman walked on there, took over Jerry Lawler's seat, everybody knew like, okay, well, I guess we're shutting these doors down to ECW. And yeah. Then... I, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. I was going to say, I, I remember that specifically. Like I have a specific memory of that. Like, I don't know what your memories were, but. So January of 2001 was Guilty as Charged, which was the final ECW pay-per-view. Um, and then I remember they had scheduled – we didn't know what was going on. Like, we didn't like their their website. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, their website went off the air. Like, it was just gone. Um, and there was no news at all about ECW um, that we could find. And they, I remember they scheduled a pay-per-view, which I want to say was in March. Um, and it never happened. It ended up getting canceled. So, like, I remember there being a pay-per-view scheduled that ne- that tickets never went on sale for, and it never happened. And then, and then um, Paul Heyman walked out on Raw. Um, I can't remember exactly when that was, but it must have been February or March, or it must have been March when that happened. Yes. And it's just so weird how this all like came together, you know, because so basically what happened, you know, with the like during the uh, the king basically left the WWF because of his ex-wife at the time, Stacy, the cat. Right. So she had yeah. some like falling out with the company and Jerry Lawler was kind of backing, you know, his wife at the time. So he left the commentary booth and then in comes Paul Heyman. And, you know, one of the hidden secrets of wrestling during this particular time was it was, it was probably known by like maybe 97, 98 that WWF was like helping fund ECW, which, you know, yes. and but so, you know, to me, it makes sense. And I'll tell you guys why, you know, going back to that time. So, you know, obviously WWF wanted a place for a lot of talent to shine, you know, because, you know, during this particular area era of wrestling we didn't have like an nxt you know what i mean like mm-hmm. most of the time like they would pick it pick and pick and choose from wcw ecw maybe like some in some random indian canada or whatever they would you know pick and pick and choose from there but there wasn't there was no formal uh development developmental system at this time you know th- what they would do was the wwf is they would Let's say they want to get a guy like, you know, Kurt Angle. You know what I mean? What they would do is like, you know, well, he's kind of like a special case. But pretty much what they would do is they would, 
you know, sign him on there, and they would send him to like a warehouse that would have like Dr. Tom Pritchard, and he would teach him in his warehouse. Okay, you know, definitely right. not like today, like NXT, where they sign these guys on, they go through different style of trainings, and there's all this formatted stuff. Now they just got this guy in a warehouse, and then what they would do is they would send him to like Memphis. You know what I mean? Have him wrestle into a live crowd at Memphis. You know, so basically what the WF was was doing while funding ECW was creating another source to train talent or develop ta- talent over there. You know, obviously a lot of people on this show came from ECW. You know, we had Taz on this show, ECW guy, the Dudley Boys. You know, we had Raven on the show too. You know, even Steve Austin came through ECW as well. So to me, it makes sense, you know, that why the WWF was helped funding them because it helped uh, groom certain talent to get ready for the big stage, even though <laughs> ECW was, was branded as, we're not like the WWF brother. We're not like WCW. We're this hardcore stuff. And we're, you know, we're the different, we're the outlaws, which they were. So, yes. So, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, very, very, and it, you know, the 2001 is kind of like a, kind of like a hodgepodge of everything. And I'm trying to paint the picture for you guys over here, you know, who, who not really sure about 2001 wrestling or like, you know, wants a little refresher, you know, it's a very, uh, interesting at this time, you know, obviously we just talked about, you know, WCW getting bought up by the WF. So that program's gone. We don't have any yeah. more warring programs on Monday. We don't got ECW program. We're just kind of like, they're kind of like morphing everything in one. And it's kind of like, you know, starting up this, uh, this uh, not so hot, they started off hot, but not so hot ending to 2001. That's what, <laughs> that's what we're getting to. Yeah. So um, question. Um, so how long after this, did they start doing the invasion angles? So, so basically, you know, so WrestleMania 17, you know, we're, we're in April. They didn't start hinting yeah. at the, 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 you know, we saw a little WCW talent on here, but very quick. Obviously, we know that Shane McMahon's the owner. But they really didn't start getting the ball rolling on the whole invasion thing until right at the King of the Ring. That's so, what I thought. I thought it was sometime in the summertime. Yes. So basically, yeah, it's kind of like, so basically we had the King of the Ring, and then the next pay-per-view was the Invasion pay-per-view, which is, to be honest with you, the Invasion pay-per-view almost equaled the buy rates. I wouldn't say it did, but it almost equaled, almost got to the highest buy rates, you know, that WrestleMania did. That's how hot that show was, that whole Invasion starting period was. And obviously it would go a little bit downhill from there. Um... But yeah, like they, they pretty much start, were starting it around, you know, we had Landstorm come up on Monday Night Raw. He was in the Madison Square Garden. Then we had Booker T sneak in too. So we, we kind of trickled those guys in towards like the, the summer summer um, parts of the parts of the year. But um, this particular though show, WrestleMania 17, I mean, this right here had to be like peak attitude, you know, peak WWF attitude. Like they had... Everything, yeah. everything aligned during this particular show. Um, but we'll get into all the matches over here. We'll break them down. We'll tell you. We'll tell you guys about you know the winners of the matches, and then mm-hmm. what I'll do is I'll tell you some you know how the uh, 
each people in the matches, how their career kind of went in, in 2001 too, because, you know, right now, during the show, you know, WrestleMania 17, we have now have, I call it the hodgepodge. We basically have a hodgepodge of all this talent, all in mm. one, you know, company at the time. And now we just got to figure out what to do with them. And we, you know, we got to figure out what to do with this newly turned heel Austin, which is going to be a big discussion about in this episode of Lights Out, WrestleMania 17, because this right here is one of the most highly talked about top topic of did Austin joining up McMahon kill the Attitude Era? Well, yeah, so we're about a year away from ruthless aggression, right? Yeah, yeah, we're, yes. Yeah, we're about yeah, we're about like a year, uh, I would say about a year and a half, 2 years from ruthless aggression. 2 years. Oh, so it's further away than I thought. Okay. Well, I you would know, consider 2002 was basically like that. I would say like the middle of yeah. 2002. Okay. Because, you know, 2002 base- we had the draft and we still we're still yeah. relying on stars, you know what I mean, like Rock, Austin, Hogan. We got a lot of that shit going on in 2002. You know, it wasn't until like maybe like the end of 2002 or 2003 is when we're really starting to, you know, go with like the younger guys from the Ruthless, Ruthless okay. Aggression. And uh, yeah, because I think of Ruthless Aggression as like John Cena. So when John Cena yeah. first appears, that's Ruthless Aggression to me. Yeah. And for people who don't follow wrestling and don't know what we're talking about, so the WWF, WWE, what are you going to call it? has had several different uh, eras. And um, the eras have different styles of wrestling, kind of, and different people in it. Um, So the Attitude Era is the one uh, James and I are most probably familiar with because that's like when we came back to – when he first got into wrestling and when I came back to wrestling, um, which was more darker and uh, more hardcore, I guess you could say, more uh, not safe for work. Yeah, and then ruthless aggression was what they were going to go into, which was more safe for work. Um, and I, I don't know how you would describe it. I, I became, I started to drift away during ruthless aggression. Um, what was the one before attitude? What do they call it? The new generation era. It, it was the new generation was before yeah. the attitude era. You know, had like younger stars. That's when Vince was trying like to go Sean a little Michaels younger. And, yeah. yeah. So he was yeah. trying to get. So we have. So what we talk about on the retro blood every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Is the golden era. The golden era is like, you know, the right. ma- Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hawk Hogan, Andre the Giant, yep. Million Dollar Man, you know, those big cartoon WWF characters. Then, you know, towards the 90s, going into a little bit of the middle of the 90s, early 90s to late to middle 90s, that's when we, we transitioned to the new generation where Vince wanted to go a lot younger, you know, like, like your Shawn Michaels, yeah. your Bret Hart, your Diesel, your Razor Ramones, mm-hmm. your, your one, two, three kids, your, 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 your sparky plug Bob Bob Hollies. All right. Oh yeah. Can't you're, forget you're, you're, Sparky Plug. You gotta forget Mantar. All right. Mantar. All right. Those, those gimmicks, brother. We gotta have a gimmick on this guy. All right. <laughs> and then after all those gimmicks start, you know, like the goon and shit, which we saw on this show, uh, after all that shit failed, that's when we wanted to get a little more raunchy, brother. We wanted to get a little bit more Howard Stern. We wanted to get a little bit more Jerry Springer. You know what I mean? We wanted to get a little bit more attitude. That's when we got the attitude era. You know, yeah. which I mean, you the, watching the progression of eras is very interesting, you know, because, you know, yes, that's why wrestling is very great because it kind of like adapts a little bit to the times. And, you know, it's just the, the, the way that the, the television and then how like society is a little bit, you know, mirror, wrestling tries to mirror that uh, when they can. You know, obviously they're 
little difference on some aspects. But, you know, the Attitude Era is basically, you know, a little more R-rated stuff, a little bit more raunchy stuff, you know, a little bit more hardcore, you know, the character is a little bit more edgier, you know, and they got a lot of that, <clears throat> the Attitude Era stuff, I'm, I'm honestly from, you know, either the NWO angle, or they got it from ECW, a lot. So... Yeah, the NWO essentially is what caused them to start the Attitude Era because they were losing their asses. They were they were essentially about to go out of business. Yeah, because if the NWO hadn't have done something. Yeah, because yeah. the NWO was a little bit more of like a, you know, at that time that period of wrestling, you know, we didn't see a lot of like backstage or we didn't see a lot of like, you know, kind of like a uh, big street gangs, you know, in wrestling. Right. You know, they're they're more like a uh, kind of like a street game. Like a, they were breaking the mold of how the te- television was at the time, and that yeah, really helped. You know, using their real names. Yeah, exactly. Using their real names. You know, being like these bullies, being like real life bullies, not like these cartoon character bullies and shit. Like we'd see, like mm-hmm. fucking uh, what was that guy? Um, the Zodiac. You know what I mean? The Zodiac. The, the yeah. Dungeon of Doom geeks or whatever. Yeah. Even though, even though I, you know, we think that's fun because it's funny. But you know, I mean, I that's like that's Zodiac. what, yeah. So that like we, you know, that shit's funny and stuff. But we know, the 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 NW was trying to be a little more like you know, realistic, hard hitting and stuff. More 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 realistic, yeah. real life characters. You know, we're getting away from the like, gimmicks and stuff. We're going to real life. You know, obviously, you know, during this portion, two thousand one, we're fully into you know, NW has had their run, their cycles over pretty much. Um, you know, we're building up some big stars. From the WWF, you know, obviously Steve Austin uh, came back from his neck surgery that he did in all in 2000, and we had The Rock. Mm-hmm. Pretty much was the the top of the you know, main card and everything. Top The Rock was the top draw. For, you know, while Austin was um, was away, so we have the rise of Kurt Angle. You know, we have Chris Benoit on here, so we just got a whole lot of uh, great great talent over here. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the show though, you know, so that's kind of like some of the backstory of how we kind of led a little bit into WrestleMania, you know, with the, you know, WCW kind of like folding, you know, them kind of bringing like the realistic characters, you know, WWF adapting those realistic characters, you know, obviously making the storylines a little better, you know, ECW is out of here now, uh, we got Paul Heyman turning his back on ECW, showing up to the E. And now we're uh, now we're getting into the biggest show. So um, before we get into the show, Allison, I got, I got a couple things mm-hmm. to ask you. Okay. Number one, were you ever a big fan of Limp Biscuit? No. Okay. Me either. <laughs> but he's bro. He's That's, he's all over this shit. <laughs> all right. As soon as soon as I started the show, yeah, it brought back all of these fucking horrible memories. <laughs> Horrible memories, and not just the Blue shitty music. music. Yeah, not this just shitty music, but like the rise of new metal. Oh yeah, from like re- from like real metal into like me- like quote unquote metal bands with DJs and shit like that, and like the fake rapping and all that stuff. And it's like that was shit was everywhere, everywhere, bro. During this time, fucking everywhere, and it's just like. Like it literally turned my stomach. Like I, 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 it just was like I was right back there again, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like the worst. This is the worst era of music ever." Did you like any of those bands? No. Well, the Deftones. 
They are. Oh, they kind of count. In that. Yeah, they uh, they count. Yeah, because but they uh, they they had a DJ, but after that shit became not cool anymore, he became the keyboard player. Gotcha. Um, but I'm pretty sure the guy that plays keyboards for them now was a DJ originally. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in any kind of like genre or like movement or whatever you want to call it scene, there's, even if I hate the whole thing, there's usually one band that comes out of it that I think is good. Yeah. Um, I like the Deftones. I still like the Deftones to this day. Um, you know, out of metal core between the bear to me is the only metal core band that I like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, oh my God, like it was just like nothing but like hip hop and fake hip hop was all that, all that anybody could listen to. Like yes. you couldn't like, it was, it was terrible. Like if you didn't like, oh God, I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even start talking about this. Get you on that rabbit hole, brother. <laughs> it, it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Like if you didn't wear like the big baggy pants and like, you know, like, you know, like listen to all that shit like i don't know that was the only thing that girls were into like it was fucking terrible so like fucking with, terrible. so with me i'm like anyway. I, you know a little different with me so you know i i was never a big fan of the limp biscuit all right you know i know he's all over the show you know the song he did on this show was you know okay for the intro but you know it's just i i get it, it was part of the times he was one of the hot artists of the time now he kind of looks like colonel sanders mm-hmm. kind of weird weird so. weird right um i i do like that song nookie yeah, the Nikki one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that song, but I mean, I remember seeing them at the Warp Tour in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, in Jacksonville, um, and they didn't have a DJ yet, and it was just like, like it was it was shit then, but it got worse. Yeah, uh, this was before their album came out, but anyway. So uh, you know, uh, if I could go back in time, I could have saved the world from Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that, brother. <laughs> especially, especially the debit boy. They had him on like so many shows during this time. Like every other pay per view, I felt like had like fucking limbistic tracks everywhere. All I remember from from the WWF with those bands, they had Limp Bizkit, they had Saliva. Remember them? Saliva. Oh God, yeah. They did have Drowning Pool one time, yeah. which I thought was cool. Yeah. They did that. They did the Drowning Pool. Uh, let the bodies hit the floor for that Summer Slam of this of this year, two thousand one. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was cool. Um, I did like so I was so I'm half this band I'm half on I'm half not on is disturbed. Oh no. So I mean I think the guy that sings for Disturbed, what's that guy's name? Dave Draymond or whatever. That yeah. guy's a great singer. Yeah. Their music's just shitty. It's just bad. It's true. Now I do like their main song. What was that song? I used to love that song so during this era, two thousand one, I was rocking that song. All over. Uh, is it the... Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. About his mommy hitting him and shit. Yeah. <laughs> young, young, young Greg from 2001 in high school with my 300-pound body and my Walkman. Listen to that song over and over again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But also, too, since we're still talking about music, the, the song they did for Steve Austin... It's still one of my favorite songs in wrestling entrances for Steve Austin's. Mm. I know a lot of people probably don't like that one. I love it. I think nope. it's great. Didn't they do an album where they where all these shitty bands like redid yes. the theme songs? Yeah, but that's yeah, that actually so that yeah. comes a little later. 
<laughs> and like um yeah they did they did like the jericho wine which jericho said he never liked that one uh they did the the, the booker t one with iced tea i believe it was um yeah they did a couple yeah i mean we did our lady peace did the crispin mall one which is you know not, that, that song wasn't too bad um it's, but yeah i i do remember what you're talking about when they redid a lot of we, but we, we've seen that though like where the the music artists will redo you know certain people's songs in wrestling um i just so happened to like the steve austin one but you know hey we did get a motorhead appearance on this show so there you go yep we got we got triple h saving the day with the music over there so but yeah, so music during this time, everybody. <laughs> I mean, if not, you not good, not good. You know, a little tough. You know, there's some good mm. bands here and there. You know, but um, we definitely look at ba- back on this era of music as being like kind of a little, little rough, uh, unless you're like super big into like you know Slipknot <laughs> and rough. shit like that. But um, I did you know, shout out to one band that I think made their uh, there's going kind of hot during this time is Mudvayne. I did like them. So okay. And they're actually touring this year too, so I might have to check that one out. But yeah, this shit's coming back. Yeah, yeah, new, new metal's coming back now. So like, it creeps its way here and there. Shit again. It creeps yeah, his it creeps its way here and there. You know how it does. <laughs> so fuck yeah. But everybody, let's talk a little bit about the show because that's what we're all here for. We're all here on the lights let's out, brother, to talk about WrestleMania seventeen. So, you know, a couple of things leading up to WrestleMania 17. So, you know, last year's WrestleMania 2000, okay, was just like a, a normal indoor arena, you know. So, you know, WrestleMania before 17, basically, you know, every once in a while they would go to a big stadium. Maybe if they feel like they had a really hot man event or, you know, maybe they got pre-booked an arena. But, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much... Every WrestleMania was kind of like hit or miss. Like some years we would be in a big arena, like a big football or baseball field, or some sometimes we would be in like just a normal like big you know basketball arena. So it really wasn't you know during seventeen obviously they're in the Houston Astrodome at this time, one of my home states, brother Texas. All right, and yeah, the, the, and then you know afterwards they would they would continue the trend to be in big arenas, but they would occasionally go back to like Madison Square Garden for a couple of WrestleManias well, after this one. Yeah, so I was going to say, this since WrestleMania like three, this may have been the first stadium mania. Because 15 was in Philadelphia, but it was not in a football stadium. It was in the indoor arena where the Phillies played. Yes. Or the Philly, the Flyers played. Um, and it and 16 was in uh, uh, WrestleMania. 2000. 16, yeah. 16, yeah. yeah two, WrestleMania 2000 was in Raleigh, I think. And it was in the indoor arena. Yeah. Um, 13 was too. And then this, 13 was too. So, and this was in a football stadium. So yeah. this was like the first one in a long time though yeah. that had been in a big stadium. And um 20 would be in Madison Square Garden, but that's only because of the anniversary. Yes. But we did have um, that there was a I think it was WrestleMania 22 was in Chicago. Mhm. And I think it was after that WrestleMania 22 that's when they decided okay, we're just going to do big arenas from now on. 
Yeah, big football stadiums. Yes. And that's the trend that we see today. Of course, it wasn't until 2020 where they decided, hey, let's just do two-night WrestleManias because New Japan did it. We can do it too. So, Yeah, and, and the, sh- the show tonight is yeah. the one in L.A. It's it's in... Uh, is it in the uh, Staples Center? No, it's in no. The, it's in SoFi. It's in the football stadium. Yeah, it's in the big one. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the it's in the football stadium. Yeah, the big uh, uh, Los Angeles football stadium for tonight. So we got mm-hmm. two big arenas here now. So you know WrestleMania format's a lot different. You know, back here and it is today because obviously you know today we have you know night one of WrestleMania. We have night two. You know, usually yeah. before we had that format. You know, with the current WrestleManias, you know, they would go like seven hours and shit. You know what I mean? Like right. all fucking day long. <laughs> like I remember watching WrestleMania. God, what was that one with the Undertaker versus Roman Reigns in the main event? Um, you know, a couple years back. And that one, I mean, my God, that thing took forever to get done. Holy. Like I remember like watching a little bit at my house. Then I had to drive to my girlfriend's house for some reason. <laughs> then I had to watch the rest of it there. I didn't probably that shit it didn't was still get, on. It was still on, and it shit didn't get <laughs> into midnight. You know, and it probably started like what at five, five or four in the four in the afternoon or some shit. So you know, maybe uh, yeah. You know, which I don't mind watching a big long wrestling car, but man, it does get kind of draining. You know, especially when you get some certain matches on there. Uh, but mm. I think this this particular resume was long. But for the time, it it was actually a perfect amount of time. I thought this WrestleMania had. I mean, we got, you know, we got some really solid matches. Uh, we got a explosive main event with a very weird finish. Uh, we had a hot opener. Um, so I thought this one was definitely pl- very placed, uh, flowed very well. So, but get into it. Um, you know, our first contest. You know, besides we get, you know. Got the guys singing "America Beautiful." You know, we all that we have the Limp Biscuit intro going on. We did have a dark match on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh-huh. that. Uh, I was going to say something about that. I mean, I know you want to get on with the show, but okay. um, so I think that's really odd because so Just Incredible was in this match, yes. and Just Incredible for people who don't know was like an ECW lifer. Yeah, like I like I would have said just incredible was going down with the ship i mean he was on every he was on the last show they did in january so i'm wondering maybe if we knew that there was no ecw show like if we knew at this point ecw was bankrupt because if i had seen this it would have been shocking yeah for me for me to see this because um you know, like he was in a tag team with x Pog and albert apparently yeah the x you don't um, remember the x factor I do remember that, With but Uncle that's not Cracker? the weirdest thing in this. It's not even the weirdest thing in this uh, in this match. But everybody um, wanted to be by my side, oh God, but I know you're gonna hate X Factor because you don't gotta treat me like that. You don't gotta treat me like oh God. I had to hear that shit all the time. I was like, <laughs> I think it was like, I think it was like everybody's like, okay, can we get get on with this? <laughs> but yeah, so that would have been weird for, for, for to see him walk out. But the weirdest thing about this is they they fought Steve Blackman and Grand Grandmaster Sexay. Like, yeah, how the fuck did that happen? Okay, I'll explain to you. Like I can't think of two people who are more different than those two people. Exactly. So I'll explain to you. And I actually got this news from the Wrestling Observer at the time. Awesome. Because I'm a prescriber, hardcore wrestling fan. So apparently, 
They were just going to leave a bunch of people off the WrestleMania card. Alright? Because, you know, it doesn't matter where you're placed, the pre-show or the main or whatever, you know, if you're on WrestleMania, you're going to have a, no- a better payday than normal. No matter what yes. spot of the card you're on. Okay? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were getting left out. You know, some people were injured. You know, some people just, you know, just weren't factored in. So the only person who kind of was like semi-complaining, according to the Wrestling Observer, was Steve Blackman for not being on the card. Right. He's like, listen, guys, right. I worked all fucking year long. I didn't take any days off. I didn't get hurt. And you're just going to leave me off the biggest payday of the year. Mm-hmm. So they're probably like, okay, well, we'll fucking put you on to the Sunday Night Heat. So the reason that um, Grandmaster Sexy is on the card is, and not Scotty Tuhati, apparently Scotty Tuhati was injured. Injured. He had like a neck injury going on at this time. Mm-hmm. And Rikishi right. was off too because he had a busted eardrum. So he wasn't on the show. And then we had a couple other people not on the show. Uh, we have Tori. She was doing Tough Enough. Billy Gunn and Al Snow, they were doing Tough Enough. Um, K-Quick, R-Truth, during that time, was on the show. Crash yeah. and Molly Holly and Bob Holly was injured. And apparently, which I don't I don't think this ever happened at all, but they're saying that in 2001, the big boss man was left out the show because he didn't have his new gimmick yet. And I don't really remember him having a new gimmick in 2001. I was so going to say, what was his new gimmick? Well, I don't think it ever came to fruition, okay? Right. Like, right. what is he supposed to be that fucking... Uh, remember his gimmick in WCW was like some sort of like... Like... Uh, like, arc, he was like some angel dude. Like, do you know what I'm talking no, about? He was that. like, so... so I he, remember him as Big Bubba. Yes. So, he, there was this like gimmick he had in like WCW towards like 93 or something. And he basically was like yeah. some sort of like guardian angel for like teen, teenagers. I just can't imagine this. <laughs> he was like, so he was supposed to be like some a literal sort of, angel. No, well, like a guardian angel. Like I guess he was supposed to be a biker, but the biker oh, was oh, like, oh, oh, he was I, like I the leader. He was now. like the okay, leader like, of some youth group. Okay, <laughs> 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 so stupid. <laughs> okay, it's not as weird as what I was imagining, but still, <laughs> that is pretty weird. Oh, and then my one of my favorite teams, Lowdown, they were left off. You know, mm. D'Lo Brown and Chaz. They were the fucking yep. Adidas <laughs> fucking pants. Jazz. Uh, Kai and Ty, and then S.A.R.S. and Terry, they were all left out of the show. Mm. Uh, we did have some legends over there at the uh, WF New York when they had D- WF New York going on at the time. We had Lou mm-hmm. Albano, Fred Blassie, Jimmy Snuka, and Alpha. Or, uh, yeah, Alpha. And then uh, Jimmy Snuka, I, see, I, I remember him seeing, um, he was on this show when they showed... Um, and they showed the little crowd in, in uh, New York City. But yeah, I mean, like, the opening match is really weird. Just Incredible and X-Pog, which they make sense because they're in the X-Factor team versus Steve Blackman, Steve Blackman and Grandmaster Sexy. And yeah. apparently the crowd didn't care at all, which I don't blame them. So, so two, it, two minutes and 46 seconds. You know, I kind of feel bad. So, like, I was joking a little earlier about X-Factor, but I really wasn't. So, you know, X-Pac was... I always liked X-Pac. I always thought he was a great wrestler yeah. and a great personality. Absolutely. It just... For some reason, that group just did not click. You know, obviously, I think X-Pac and Justin Credible clicked pretty well. You know, because they were, like, friends in real life. You know, Justin Credible was actually a member of the, the, the click without yes. being one of the famous members of the click. You know, he was kind of like the side buddy of the click, I guess. Um, and, but you know, then we have Albert in there. It's just a weird group, basically. 
and they didn't really like do that much you know eventually x-pac i think he you know we had this whole wcw stuff going on so just incredible actually turned his back on um x-pac and albert and he joined the ecw faction of the of the uh the alliance yep. so that's how pretty much how x-factor ended and then we had, we had albert over there you know still with the wwf and then we had x-pac he was actually a loyal which is weird because you know i thought x-pac he actually had a lot of like history with WCW. You think he would be on the Alliance side, but he wasn't. He was always on the WWF side. But he was kind of like, to be honest with you, X-Pac during this time was kind of like pretty much out the door. Like he, you could tell he was like winding himself down and he would, he would reappear later on in 2002 being part of the NWO. And then after that, he was pretty much just gone from the company. So, but our opening contest. Yes. WrestleMania 17. It's going to be for the inter- continental championship we have two ecw uh, EC, well we have ecw too we have two aew alumni on this show chris jericho and william regal battled it out for the intercontinental championship and allison do you know how this feud started uh no not at all okay well i'll tell you so this this basically started well william regal was the general manager of Monday Night Raw. And Jericho was like making fun of him, you know, for being like the, like a snot nose authority figure. So William Rigo's making his life hell. And what pretty much set up this whole big feud and set up this intercontinental championship match as one of the biggest shows of the year, Chris Jericho pissed in his tea. <laughs> yeah, brother. That's perfect. Which That's was actually perfect. one of the best Raw moments. Of the year, <laughs> he fucking pissed his tea, and just the face of William Regal when he made it is just cl- it's perfect. It's like so, it's so so great. It's like the face that he made and everything. But um, this match is you know it's fun. It's a normal match, nothing too crazy. You know, obviously this year at WrestleMania the Intercontinental Title, we're gonna see a great match with Gunther, Sheamus, and G- Drew McIntyre. Gunther, Gunther. Did I say it right, Gunther. Gunther, but, Gunther, Gunther. But uh, uh, this yeah, match yeah. was okay. Now, Gunther I was, wasn't good enough. Yes. Hey, man. I don't, I don't mind the name Gunther, but we'll get on to that later. But uh, sure. this match was okay. You know, this, this is a normal intercontinental title match. Chris Jericho wins. Um, he, he submitted him and stuff. Well, no, actually he submitted him. He, he, he pinned him with the lion tamer, the lion salt. And uh, mm-hmm. I always liked having like a, a championship start off WrestleMania. Like some, it doesn't have to be a world championship, but like some sort of championship start off WrestleMania. And I always thought the Intercontinental title would be like, you know, was the, the perfect opening match for, for a title they can open WrestleMania. Absolutely. Uh, we see it here and there. They do it, you know, they're doing it this year at WrestleMania. They're opening up with John Cena versus Austin Theory for the U.S. title, which is kind of cool. Are they? Yeah. It's gonna be a night one. The I didn't know that. The opening match for okay. night one, you know, Cena, Cena, you know, making those movies, man. He can't be staying around fucking L.A. for fucking. Yeah, he can't. He can't hang night. around. He's gotta. He's gotta go. He's a go in there. <laughs> he's gotta go to make, do a couple go matches. Move. Say hi and bye. Grab some cake. Get out of there. <laughs> so, yeah. but we've seen, you know, later on WrestleMania, we've seen United States Championship, you know, Intercontinental open up the show. Um, I, I always, I'm just saying, my. my Personal preference, I like it when like uh, one of those titles open up the show. I think it kind of like, you know, builds the title credibility and it kind of like, you know, show, we could showcase a good match that way. But um, this is a pretty interesting year. You know, obviously 
the year for Chris Jericho. You know, he's been in wrestling still. You know, like he's still wrestling for AEW. So this guy's like nonstop. And this is basically the year that Jericho really became a, a big deal in the WWF. Because, you know, right after this WrestleMania, he would go on to that feud with the two-man power trip, you know, Steve Austin and Triple H, which we'll talk about later. And he would team with Chris Benoit, and they would have that awesome main event where Triple H tore his quad, and they won, like, the tag team titles from them, the two-man power trip. And then they they would have that TLC3 (laughs) live on fucking SmackDown, like a couple of days yeah. after that. And then they would go on to main event the King of the Ring with Jericho, uh, Chris Benoit, and Steve Austin. And then later on, then we would have a couple back and forth with Jericho. You know, he would, uh, people would think he was going to be going to the Alliance. He wasn't. He stayed with the WWF. You know, then we would, we would kind of transition him, you know, to doing some different feuds with different people from the Alliance until he actually um, did a feud with The Rock later on this year. And that's when he won his first uh, world championship from The Rock, when he won the world title. And of course, at the end of this year, he would become the first ever undisputed champion when he would win the WWF and world title, beating both Steve Austin and The Rock on the same night. And he would talk about that for pretty much the rest of his career, and it all happened this year. (laughs) So this guy... he's still talking about it. Still talking about it to this day. So Jericho, this is like one of his biggest years ever in wrestling is this year William Regal not so much um he had that a uh, little bit after this he had a little bit of run with the Tajiri when he bought Tajiri in uh became a baby face with Tajiri you know because Tajiri didn't jump you know ship and everything to 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 uh, to WCW um and then of course William Regal would then he would betray Kurt Angle and he would help Austin win the title during the invasion and probably like William Rigo's biggest highlight of this year was kissing Dixon Man's ass. Yep, I remember that. Remember that, brother? So yep. a lot of fun stuff going on later on this year with some weird stuff. So so up next we have a tag team match with he, with Texas's own Bradshaw, brother, and Farouk, great team, APA, yep. and Taz. They would go on to beat Allison's favorite group. The right to censor, brother. I knew you were going to say that. I hate the right to censor. (laughs) The good father, Bull Buchanan, Val Venus, and Steven Richards. So this match, you know, just to get people on the card. You know, obviously, right to to censor, you know. So when I I think right to censor is they copied, to me, when I was watching wrestling, they copied um, Don Callis' character, and ECW, what was it called? Virus, right? Something virus or something like that. Uh, Cyrus. Cyrus. That's what it was. Cyrus, Cyus the virus. Cyrus the virus. Yes. Well, ca- kind of. Yes. yes. It was kind of. Yeah, they kind of did. Yeah. Because Cyrus in ECW, he was part of the network, and he was he would always say the yeah. network doesn't like this, the network doesn't like that, the network doesn't like this. You know, right? The censor. You know, the reason they were formed was because of, I think it was that that parent uh, something. Comp- there was some sort of like censor group. That kept poking and poking and poking at the WWF for all the raunchy shit they were doing. So yeah. McMahon actually made that into a group, all right? Yeah. To kind of like make fun of that, like to make fun of that group, and then kind of make it like a heel faction. They kind of like you know he kind of did that reverse psychology. He kind of did that every once in a while. He kind of did that reverse psychology on the crowd. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if something like pissed him off, you know what I mean? He like a, like a dentist. Let's say that McMahon went to the dentist one time, got pissed off. Oh, let's make a dentist heal. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that happened a lot. Yeah. So like, yeah. So I, you, know, you could see like some things that like, pissed off McMahon. He would just make him into like bad characters and bad guys, and that's what he did during this group. Yeah. Like the IRS character. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can tell that he got hit with a big tax bill, so he made the IRS character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, some of them work out okay. You know what I mean? Like this group, not um, so much. I, the only to no. me, Alice, I don't know about you, but like to me, the only good person in Right to Censor was Stephen Richards. Like he, he's the only yeah, one well, that kind of was good with it. Right. That's what I was gonna say. Is like the reason I hate Right to Censor is because it ruined Stevie Richards. I loved Stevie Richards when he was in ECW yeah. and in WCW. I mean, because he was like, I mean, I didn't know it at the time because Shawn Michaels was basically out of wrestling when I started watching it back again because he was like, his back was injured. So I didn't really realize that Steven Richards, Stevie Richards was a Shawn Michaels clone. Yeah. Like his ECW character was supposed to be making fun of of, of Shawn Michaels. Well, and Big Daddy Cool. When he's in the BWO. Well, that too. Yeah, that too in the BWO. Yeah. But yeah, I loved, I love Stevie Richards. I absolutely love Stevie Richards. By the way, we got to um, shout out to Stevie Richards recovering from uh, from medical is- issues he was having. Did you see that video of him walking around? No, I haven't seen that, but he's okay. doing better than he was. Yeah. So basically he got in the hospital. I didn't read up on uh, exactly why he was in the hospital, but apparently mm-hmm. he was in the hospital for some sort of like, you know, illness he was going through um, that was like really bad like very serious um but supposedly he is walking around doing a lot better and shout out to steven i was always a big fan of his as well too i always thought he was a great performer great wrestler great talker you know very very underrated you know maybe not like some main eventer but you know very 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 good talent to have on your roster i thought he did a great job in this role as well too so always good on the mic yes and like he wouldn't really do too much after this um like, to be honest with you, when it comes to, like, later on, like, I don't remember him doing almost anything during the invasion. I must say, they must have shelved, like, a lot of these guys. Like, I think Val Venus did a little bit of stuff. Like, Godfather was basically not doing anything after this. So, you know, I remember, the only thing I remember Stephen Richards kind of doing after Right to Censor is he brought in, um, what were they called? Uh, uh, it was Wrath and Atom Bomb. You know, what, what were they yeah. called? The Chronic. Yeah, he brought in the Chronic. chronic. Yeah, the Chronic. Yeah. The Chronic guys. The fight uh Undertaker and Kane. And then after that, like we didn't I didn't see him until he came back with the Victoria during like more of like the two thousand two area. Uh but you know, Bradshaw and Farouk, they would just be a tag team throughout two thousand one, you know, fighting the alliance, basically like being one of the big um WWF supporters. Taz Ta- actually Taz had a pretty good year in two thousand one. You know, I remember Taz being a, you know, this is when he was kind of like going to transition to commentary, which he still does today on AEW programming. Great commentary. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is when we, uh, it is because of Taz a little bit that we got a little bit of the Austin trying out the what treatment. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. That we still hear today. That was yeah. formed in God. this era. Then this year. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, it must have been like right after this show, actually. It must have no. been pretty soon. No, no, no. This, no? No, no. So basically the what thing, it happened during like the the, the Alliance saga. And it happened a little oh, bit. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. So basically what it was was, so 
just a little quick recap. You know, I know we're all over this place, but I kind of like want to give you guys like yeah. an idea of what happens, not just with this show, but for like the whole year. So the what gimmick was basically, so the, the story behind it was, you know, Austin one day was in the car and he was calling Christian and he called Christian on his cell phone. He would just saying random shit on the voicemail to just be funny. He'd be like, hey, I'm driving past the sign. What? I said, I'm, I'm said I'm passing by a sign. What? Oh, I said, look, listen, I told you I'm passing by a sign. You know, so he was trying to do like a funny voicemail. And he was just thinking like, right. you know what, that what thing, that might be good for like a heel. It'll be like an asshole. So there was an episode of, I believe it was like Raw or SmackDown where a lot of the WWF guys were beating up WCW guys like Perry Saturn beat Raven. Um, somebody like beat Hugh Morris. And then um, one of the ones was the rock. He like, he like rock bottom Shane into a table while Taz just stood there. So he got everybody in the ring. He got those guys in the ring. Okay. And he was basically mm-hmm. bullying them. I mean, the, the funniest one, I was like, it was just like Hugh Morris. He's like, your name is Hugh, Hugh Morris? What? I said, your name is Hugh Morris? What? Is that supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to be laughing? What? <laughs> and then like, and then like, you know, Taz, he'd be like, you know, Taz, like, that's your boss. You just let him go through the table. What? And then he thought like, you know, you know, he's like, take off the shirt, you know, all this stuff to Taz. He would just be bullying Taz the whole time. And basically the what was supposed to be like a, an annoying bully. And it just turned out to be the fans are now have taken that over. And now they're the annoying bullies. And now they're annoying. Yes. So. Uh, it's just like, oh my, it's, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Can you believe that it started in 2001 and here we are in 2023 and, and that's 22 that's that's like a whole that's like a whole adult life, you know. Yeah, like it's a, hard to believe <laughs> that people still fucking remember it. I know it's crazy. So it's just crazy. It's like twenty two. Like the what chant can drink now. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, old enough yeah, to drink. Chan, yeah, and older car. It's just. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So yeah. the next match is actually one of my favorite matches that um, WrestleMania. 17 has and i i i think kid i love this match okay mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't i don't even know why it wasn't nothing that special and you could tell some of the people in the match didn't really care but i thought it was fun match. i like this match kane versus the big show versus raven for yeah. the hardcore championship like, i mean what a random match like you know what i mean like let's just get these guys on the card so the feud was, I think Kane and Big Show were in the feud, and somehow Raven just got involved, and that's why they just made it a, a three-way match. But this match was pretty fun. Like, they started a fight backstage. Like, fucking Kane threw fucking Raven through a window. You know, they're driving, like, golf carts and shit everywhere. And then yeah. eventually, like, um, a Big Show was going to grab a, a Raven and throw him off the stage, but then Kane booted him, so they both fell off the stage, and then Kane dropped the elbow, won the match. But, um... You know, during this time, a young James Klein, you know, we talked about me already, fat guy, 300 pounds, listening to to Disturb Mm -hmm. on my headphones. One of my favorite wrestlers at this time was the Raven character. I loved Raven. Oh, yeah. Love Raven. This guy was like, you know, every metal or, you know, rock and roll dude, not a lot of like, you know, confidence in himself and, you know what I mean? Like... Hating the world, grungy guy. I mean, how could you not like the Raven character? You know what I mean? Yeah, Raven was great. Dark character, he was also, rock and roll. Yeah, I was going to say, he was also a brilliant mind for wrestling. Like, he created exactly. the Dudley Boys, I believe. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he did a lot for wrestling that people don't know about. Yeah. And like just some of his like former gimmicks before <laughs> were like the Raven character really funny, like Johnny Polo and shit. But you know Scotty like, Flamingo. Scotty Flamingo, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you know Raven made his name most you know, obviously in ECW. You know, during yeah. like the ninety seven to or maybe like ninety six. Ninety six to like ninety eight or something, you know. Yeah, obviously he ninety six or ninety seven, yeah. Yeah, he also made his name a lot, of course, in in uh, WCW, you know, having that great, he had the flock, you know, had that great matches mm-hmm. with DDP, you know, he had yep. great matches with like, you know, Chris Benoit, you know, he had that, that little cool squash with Goldberg, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. Raven was a great character. The, the problem was the WWF just, I don't think it just was a good fit for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was kind of yeah. obvious that he went there for a paycheck. Yeah. Because, you know, he, uh, he was in WCW, but he wasn't really doing much near the end. And he was one of the ones where, where they had that famous meeting. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah. and Bischoff said that if you're not anybody who's not happy, he's like, raise your hand and I'll let you out of your contract. And Raven was the only person to raise his hand. Yeah. And he did it. He and actually he let him out. out. That's yeah, crazy. He, yep. And he let him out and he walked out. And um, I, I'm sure that part of his deal was that he couldn't go directly to WWF. No. So he went DCW for a year yeah. as uh, as uh, Tommy Dreamer's partner, who would show up at the end, which was great. Which I thought that was actually, which was great. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was great because the whole thing about Tommy Dreamer and Raven was that they had feuded against each other forever. Ra- Raven hated Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, and then he shows up at that show, whatever show it was, I can't remember what ECW show. And he like tags himself in, and then they win the tag titles. He does. He gives them the even flow DDT, and they win the tag titles. And then from then on, Tommy would come out by himself to defend the titles, and then he would be almost losing every time. And then Raven would come out of nowhere and win the match. Yeah, um, I remember being in Spartanburg at the Memorial Auditorium in the basement at an ECW house show, and that was one of the matches that they had was Tommy, um, and then uh, Tommy. Uh, I can't remember who they were fighting, but it was Tommy um, and, uh, you know, defending the tag titles by himself. And then Raven, like, walked through the crowd, like, right by me and uh, walked, went into the ring, did his little thing for two minutes, DDT, into the match. And then they, you know, then he gave Tommy his title. And, but, yeah, that was really cool. But and at this point, he was kind of starting to wind his way down. If it hadn't been for the invasion angle, I think he would have been gone a long time before he was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, first of all, being to a live ECW show during that time, I mean, that that's awesome. You know what I mean? No, so, I'll, never, I'll never forget that. Yeah. There's certain shows like that you never forget. I always wanted to go to an ECW show. I was just a little bit too young at the time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it was, for the, it was so good. I, I, yeah. I cherish the ones that I saw. Yes. I, I really do. Um, yeah, but so, you know, Raven during this time, he joined the Alliance, part of the ECW portion of that. And to be honest with you, like, to me, like, the Alliance characters, the uh, the bad guy, they always treated them basically just like, you know, they, they would, they wouldn't really like. It was just a weird time. They wouldn't really like see him as much as like big superstars. You know what I mean? They'd be on the roster, but they'd basically right. be there for like cannon fodder compared to like exactly. their bigger stars. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Raven was just one of those that, guys. Yeah, Raven was one of those guys. But you could definitely tell that Vince didn't care as much about the WCW guys, like even Booker T. Yeah, who was probably had the most success. Like he just, he you could tell they just didn't really care about those guys. Yeah, it was just really um, tough for this, all the WCW guys in this year to yeah, try to like. Yeah, the only one that really broke through, to be honest with you, was RVD. 
Yeah, that's during, true. During Which, surprisingly, yeah. surprisingly, he did break through. But yeah, I was I was just th- I was thinking of that because you were talking about those ECW shows. A, this is a funny aside, but like um, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but there, there was an ECW house show in Asheville that oh, I nice. went to at the Civic Center, and um, the crowd was fucking insane for that, and it was so, it was a great show. And I remember at the end of it, Tommy Dreamer was standing in the ring, and he, he's like he's like he's like this place is fucking great. He's like, this is one of the best crowds we've ever played for. He's like, we are definitely coming back to this fucking place. But they never came back to this fucking place ever again. God bastard. But- <laughs> He's like one of those fucking movies we watch. They act like they're going to have a sequel, and they never do. And they never <laughs> do. Exactly. So, you know, the Kane, the big show, they didn't really do too much during 2001. Too. You know, Kane, you know, you know, obviously was the baby face most of this year. You know, feuding against the Alliance. Uh, same thing with the big show. You know, I, I wouldn't say they had like a prominent year, just kind of like a normal year in wrestling. Yeah. So up next, we have a European championship. I always liked the European championship. I don't know why. I always thought there was a, a cool looking belt. Uh, but we have yeah. Eddie Guerrero. He pinned the champion test mm. at this time. And I believe, I don't believe Eddie Guerrero. I'm pretty sure he got like fired during this time because I don't remember him too much during the Alliance era. So not not too much after this. He either he either gets injured or gets fired. Um, I like think got fired in real life. Yeah, like he got fired. I don't, and then he, I don't, he, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, this is actually I think this is like when he was doing like he got fired for. I it's either I don't want to say what what because I can't remember off the top of my head, but he got fired for something. It's either like drug related or just just you know something or like an injured thing. And he this is when he was off for basically almost like a year, and he came back around two thousand two. But this is I believe this is the year where he actually wrestled a little bit on the indies and he actually wrestled CM Punk. If I don't if I don't hmm. if I remember myself. Well, actually, that makes sense now. That I think about it because yeah. it does make sense because. Um, because there are really early Ring of Honor shows that Eddie Guerrero was on. Yeah. And I always wondered how that could have possibly been, but it must have been because around the time around this time when uh when he, and he so he must have got fired for some reason. Yeah. I don't remember that, but it I mean, you know. Yeah. He he but def- you're right, he was gone for a while. Yeah, he cuz he wasn't around during the whole invasion saga and era. Even like towards the end of that, he didn't come back until around like 2002. So so he, oh yeah, he got so fired. Internet but, says, go ahead. Internet says he got arrested for drunk driving on November 9th, two thousand one, and he was released three days later. Well, does it say that he got fired or no? Yeah, he was released three days after that. Oh, but okay. um, he there's also other issues too, because um, they were saying he developed an addiction to painkillers um, from stemming from a nineteen ninety nine car accident. Yeah. And in May 2001, so a month after that, he was sent to rehab. So it's that's why what it he was. missed the invasion storyline. Yes. Um, and then, um, so that's why he wasn't in during the invasion storyline. But then he he did get arrested for drunk driving in November and was released. Okay. So that, 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 there we go. So yeah. rehab and then release. So, you know, obviously got him. So, well, we can go all a huge thing about Eddie Guerrero, but we kind of want to keep it uh, around this particular 2001 but you know great talent though. Exactly. i mean my god like this guy i mean hell yeah i mean you can't you can't go wrong with the guerrero match even if it is like this match was kind of a dud to be honest with you it was kind of like just a place we see that every once in a while at wrestlemania where you know two talents are out there they're trying their best a little bit but it's kind of a dud 
And that's what this match was. Yeah. But obviously, Eddie Guerrero later on in his career would have great WrestleMania matches and stuff, especially the one he did with Kurt Angle. Yeah, I met him once, and I was I was shocked, visibly shocked that he didn't speak like he does on television. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he um, I did I mean, now that you go, if you go back and see his old matches, you know that he just talks like he doesn't have that really exaggerated like Mexican accent. Yeah, that's right. Um, that like he like he spoke with on television, and then he he would just he, like he didn't have that at all when I met him, and I was like, oh. And I was visibly shocked, like because I expected him just to talk like that, I guess. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So, Eddie Guerrero was great. By oh the way. yeah, oh yeah, fantastic. And I think he would have, um, you know, obviously if things were right, I think he would have been a really good asset to the evasion angle. Yes. But um, so the next match we have is probably one of the top three matches on the card, and for a pure mm-hmm. wrestling match, I mean, it's definitely the top match of the show. And this is actually probably my favorite feud of the whole year of 2001, mm-hmm. just for in-ring work, you know. And that's going to be Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. Yes, fantastic match. I mean, my God, like these guys. Okay, so the the style, we were kind of talking a little bit before we got on the show. So the style, one style I like in wrestling, which is not the most popular style, even though it's one of the most traditional styles, is the... Greco-Roman wrestling style where, you know, you're trying to go out there and you're trying to do takedowns and you're trying to get an advantage of that. You know, obviously we see that a lot in collegiate wrestling, you know, which Kurt Angle comes from. And it was just, you know, we see that a lot in like Zack Sabre Jr. matches. Um, You know, obviously Daniel Bryan does a little bit of that style too. You know, uh, we see a teeny bit of it in Chad Gable matches. Dolph Ziggler does it every once in a while too. Well, you know, we try to go and do control, but man, these guys were just going at it at the beginning, like doing all these collegial spots and stuff. You know, Kurt Angle was obviously an Olympic athlete. Chris Benoit, I don't think Chris Benoit even did like any kind of like that collegiate wrestling. I think he did a little bit of that stuff in Japan. But, you know, I thought it was really great showing these guys like very good like wrestling te- technique style at the beginning of the match. Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, Benoit was like, I wouldn't call him like a uh, collegiate type wrestler, but I mean, he was definitely a professional wrestler, but yeah, he was really good at math. I mean, he could honestly do anything. Yeah. I mean, like all the hate that he gets now because of what he did. I understand that, but I mean, that doesn't take away from how fucking fantastic he was. I mean, he, I mean, he, he would be considered possibly the best wrestler of all time if he hadn't killed his kid and his wife. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's hard to talk about the guy's legacy because of what he did in his life. You know what I mean? Right. It just, it just, I mean, I get it. You know, you, if you do something like that, you shouldn't be praised for stuff that you do. Um, that's True. why, you know, that's why, like, you know, a lot of times when they're, they're going over, you know, people's best feuds, it's hard to add Crispin Wall in there because we just can't praise the guy. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's just tough. You know, it's just tough talking about some, you know, a person who's like that. You know, we and we have a couple other people in wrestling that have those kind of backgrounds as well too, where it's just kind of hard to to distinguish the 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 man from the character. You know, but you know, for this purposes, you know, we will talk about the wrestling match these guys had. You know, obviously it was a really good mat style based wrestling match, a lot of good holds and submissions, but they also did a lot of good brawling too. They had that really like hard style. So you know, if if there ever was a a would a wrestling a Japan match on the show. This one would be it, I guess. Yes. So, but you know, Kurt Angle. I mean, this is 
Kurt Angle's year too. Like people talk about like 2000, you know, maybe 2002, three, you know, being Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle did a lot during this year. You know, he obviously he you know he had this great feud with Chris Benoit because after this he would mm-hmm. do that um, that submission matches with Chris Benoit after this, which were fantastic ones, the ones at Judgment Day. And then he would go on to do that uh, funny angle with Steve Austin, you know, you know, doing the whole uh, backstage segments with Steve Austin and him singing and stuff. The Mick McMahon. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say, when did that happen? When Austin was like singing, was playing guitar yeah. and singing the songs, so that, doing, like, that, right so that, so that happened after the King of the Ring, because basically <laughs> what happened was when Booker T did that little suplex to to Austin on the table, Austin kind of like, um, I think he hurt his lower back. So he was like rehabbing it. Right. So they didn't want him to wrestle much, but they wanted to be him on TV because he was like the prominent character. <laughs> and then Kurt Angle was also injured too. He was in, he was injured in the, uh, uh, I think he was injured in a King of the Ring match he had with Shane, right. which was a crazy match that they had in 2001. That was actually one of the craziest matches of this whole year. Was like Kurt Angle versus fucking uh, Shane. <laughs> in that like street fight that they had a King of the Ring, and they were both injured, yes. so they both. Decided to make their characters a little bit different. Did all these funny segments with McMahon. And of course, when they both healed up, that's when Austin, you know, kind of turned a little bit on Kurt Angle. And, you know, that's when we had the, uh, that's when we had them feud. That kind of like starting yes. to feud again at the, uh, so the, when they were doing that, that's, that's, we were kind of like, we were like leading into the invasion. You know what I mean? With them. Right. Exactly. You know, so that was kind of like the lead in stuff. But so Austin during this whole time, even though we think he's going to be a baby face, he just stays heel pretty much the, all year round until the end of the year. But we'll get there. Uh, unfortunately, with Benoit, you know, this year he, he was in, like I was saying, like he was going to be one of the top performers of this year. You know, like yep. he, after this, he got, just being that tag team with Jericho where they beat, you know, the two man power trip, you know, him and Jericho. They're kind of like so. Him and Jericho at this time were kind of like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. They were like the two top, you know, babyface wrestlers that the fans really liked, and they wanted to get behind them. And they were facing like the two b- bad heels, you know. Unfortunately, yeah, though, true. in in the King of the Ring match, um, Chris Benoit actually broke his neck in that match, and that would keep him on the shelf until about like 2002 because he had that really bad neck that neck surgery that a lot of athletes had, um, where they had yeah. to, I think he had the same neck injury that Austin got. And uh, that that usually without surgery and stuff would keep you out for at least a year, so. But like he would have been uh, big in two thousand one if he didn't get if he didn't get injured. So, but this match definitely one of the highest matches of the night. And speaking to the one that's not the highest match of the night, probably the lowest match of the night, <laughs> <laughs> we have China versus Ivory for the women's championship. Yeah, no, it gets worse than this, but yes. Oh, you think so? Yes. Okay, I guess we'll get there. We'll get there. So this match is basically a squash. I mean, you know, during this time, um, you know, China she already won the Intercontinental Title. She's fighting men. You could during the. I'm not sure if this is the time where Triple H was like seeing stuff or not. I don't remember, but it was probably during the same year, and not so later. Yeah, had to be pretty much during this time. Um, They did do like a storyline where Ivory supposedly like hurt China's neck. That's why she was going to get an advantage. But then they just stood that shit out the window. So they just had China beat her in like two seconds. No problem. And I don't think China even like last to the end of the year. Because it wasn't a couple months after this that she would be uh, let go. So, 
and a, a, a ton of drama backstage when it comes to that and everything. I, I recommend watching that uh, A&E documentary on her, though. It was very good. So, let's see. So, next match, we're going to have one of the high... Uh, uh, <laughs> one of the highly promoted <laughs> matches <laughs> in, in the yeah. show. The, the, very, uh, the very first father and son match at WrestleMania until this year? I guess. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Shane McMahon versus Vince McMahon and a street fight. Yeah, which lasted 14 minutes. 14? Well, it had to, brother. Got the, boss, <laughs> okay. got the boss on there, the boss's son, brother. <laughs> so you know what led up to this? I mean, th- th- if you really think about this now in like 2023, like <laughs> this, this match makes perfect sense. All right, you got fucking McMahon out there kissing every woman known to man. Having his wife on fucking some sort of like drug that keeps her like not, not caring about his adultery. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got Shane out here trying to be a brat, taking over companies. And we got Stephanie being yeah. a, a big fan of her dad. I mean, this just makes perfect sense now in 2023, doesn't it? It, it does. It does make perfect sense. He, he, this guy, he was just going to town all these women, just kissing up Trish Stannis in front of his wife. I mean, my God, this guy. <laughs> so, you know, the big thing about this one was, you know, the McMahon's refuting. They were refuting before Shane bought the comp- WCW, but that was like kind of like one of the big sticks of Shane buying the company under underneath Vince and right. stuff. Is gonna take Shane was going to take WCW and fight Vince with them, which he would later on. It's just weird how, like, Shane buying WCW at first was a baby face and then he would turn into a heel. So, <laughs> so um, you know, and during, during this time, you know, McMahon would just, you know, disrespecting the, his wife, like kissing up Trish Jazz. They were in some sort of like relationship or something like that. And yeah, which everything we know now, you're yeah. like, you're right. Like everything we know now about Vince. Yeah. And he would do this with like, a lot. He would keep doing this throughout yeah. the whole year. Cause I remember him kissing up Tori Wilson when she came in here. He was kissing up Stacy Keebler. Like, this guy was just making out with every diva and then the man coming into town. Yeah. I mean, he loves blondes. I mean, yeah. what can you say? I mean, you know, I, and, and uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I, you can just tell that Vince was like, yeah, let's hire her. Yeah. I, I want, I, I want her. Let's yeah, pretty her. much. So, um, so basically with this, you know, this match wasn't really anything special, to be honest with you. Um, kind of clunky in some spots. Uh, the big spot was, you know, Shane missed the elbow. Um, Trish brings down Linda. Trish, like, starts attacking Vix McMahon, I guess, because she doesn't want to be controlled by her boss who's making her do uh, inappropriate things so he can pay her off later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that type of stuff. Um, arts imitating yeah. ma- life, I, I guess. And and, <laughs> <laughs> and then the big thing was we see that Vix is taunting in front of Linda, beating up her son, because Trish, Stephanie kind of takes Trish out of the way. So, you know, Trish at this time, she is more like the valet. She's not really like a wrestler yet. But she's, right. this year she would hone her steals to later on being a very good, actually a very good women's champion, a very good women's wrestler. But at this particular point of her career, she was still known as basically like, kind of like a valet type of, type of character. Um, when it comes to this, but she, like I said, later on she would form to be a very good, very good solid wrestler. I mean, and we're going to see her uh, this year's WrestleMania as well too. So we yep. have another person yep, from this will, show yep. who's going to be performing be on, on this show. year. So that's pretty cool. 
Uh, I think she's like one of the only ones that's going to be on there so far. Yeah, it's sad. I was hoping they'd bring back Shane, to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really? Thank You're a big Shane McMahon fan? Shane a man. I, I love Shane's matches. Like, like, uh, like, especially like the ones he would do year and years later when he would like just do crazy shit. I, I love Shane McMahon. I don't know, man. So you weren't there for that Shane versus Undertaker at Hell in a Cell? That shit I wasn't there, but I saw it. Well, it was boring. That's the one where he jumped off the cage, wasn't it? Yeah. But the whole match itself was yeah. boring. Okay. But he jumped off the cage. That's crazy. Listen, listen, the only Shane McMahon match I ever <laughs> liked, there's two of them. I liked it when he fought yeah. Kurt Angle in a street fight, which was this year. Yeah. And I liked it when he did that match with Steve Blackman, and he fell like really high off the fucking stage. I believe that was in like 2000. Yeah. Like, uh... Other than yeah, that, like, like he I always could, does all this crazy shit, though. Like yeah. that's what I love about Shane. Like he's not afraid to like just I'll do give, crazy yes. shit. I'll, I'll give him that. You know, like yes, his matches they only need one spot. Him falling off something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for somebody who's never trained as a wrestler, yes, I think he's pretty good. So obviously, this match also was guest ref. Gre- I can't say guest refereed by Mick Foley. And we had some of him doing some spots in there. And eventually, Linda gets up out of her coma. I guess she wasn't being drugged anymore. <laughs> Kicks McMahon in the yeah. balls. McFoley knocks McMahon down. And then Shane McMahon steals RVD's move, and he pins, pins him. Yep. The coast to coast. Which What, what, did, what did the RVD call it? Was it the uh, Van Terminator? Yeah. The Van, the Van Terminator, yeah. yes. Um, Shane calls it which, the coast to coast. I mean... Yeah, which is a pretty amazing move, I think. Yeah. I mean, it has to be hard to jump from one corner, one far corner to the opposite far corner. Yeah. And I mean, it just has to be crazy. And Yeah, and, and Shane could do that as not a professional wrestler or a trained athlete. Yeah. I mean, ob- and obviously, you know, we talk about what people are doing this year. Vince Man, obviously, he would be the, the head honcho of the WWF fighting off mm-hmm. Shane McMahon. Stephanie McMahon, Paul Heyman, and Steve Austin's alliance throughout the whole, pretty much the majority of the year, um, until they the the alliance ended in Survivor Series, and then McMahon made everybody kiss his ass, and then he would yep. later start a feud with Ric Flair. So he had a he had an interesting year, McMahon. He went from a heel to a babyface, back to a heel again. Yep. So a couple turns around there. So the next match, speaking of wild, this is probably the wildest match of the night. We have Oh hell yeah, here T- we go. TLC two brother. Tables, ladders, and chairs two. We have Edge of Christian versus the Dudleys versus um the Hardy Boys for the WWF tag team championship. So a couple of things about this match. You know, obviously, you know. This is a. This is basically the, the 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 match that they all made famous. You know, this is the this is basically like their design match. Like during this particular, you know, nowadays we see TLC that shit all the time. We have a pay per view designed for it. We got random people show up in TLC matches and all this crap. You know, but during this time, the the, the only TLC matches we would have was with these three guys. Like this is like their match, which is you know something pretty cool. Like having your own designed match. Of the match you made famous. So, you yeah. know, the the WrestleMania before this one, we had the triangle ladder match. That's when we first got the, the glimpse of all of these three. And that was just a ladder match, even though we did have some tables in that match. And that was run by Edge and Christian at WrestleMania 2000. 
it wasn't until uh, that SummerSlam of that year, that's when they developed the concept of TLC. And I believe that match was run by Edge and Christian as well. And then now we have this match. It was the TLC 2. So we're bringing the uh, the TLC format to... We're, we're kind of noticing that it, we're, we're keeping the TLC for like the bigger formats. So we're bringing it back for WrestleMania 17. And this one was pretty wild. This is actually one of my favorite like TLC matches of this one. What did you think yeah, of this? Yeah, I mean, this was yeah, this was a this was great. I mean, they, well, they, you could tell that they weren't winging it anymore. Like they knew what they needed, what what kind of match they needed to have. Whereas you know, this grew from. I mean, I know you just talked about it, but it, but it grew kind of from uh, Royal Rumble two thousand. Yeah, wasn't it uh, Hardy Boys and Dudleys in a tables match? Yes. Which was fantastic, which we'll talk about on the lights out at some point in history in the future. But um that was that blew my mind. That was like I didn't know WWE could do this. Um I'd seen this in ECW, but I didn't know WWF would allow this. Um and then then that grew into what they but what became TLC. But yeah, this was like I would say the first like really planned out TLC. Where they knew that it was a gimmick that got over and they knew what they had to put into it. But yeah, this match was really, really, really good. Yeah. At 15 minutes and 50 seconds. So 16 minutes long. Great match. So, you know, the the biggest spot, I think, of this match was definitely the edge spear. Off the ladder. Off the ladder. On the Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Poof, man, imagine taking that shit. <laughs> I was like, hell no. I don't even know how Jeff is still walking to this day. Yeah, I don't know either. I just, the same of the shit he does. Then the shit this guy's yeah. done is just like I'm not sure how he's walking. I mean, this I mean he's basically yeah. the 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 Darby Allen of his day. You know, I mean Darby Allen was very close yeah. of how Jeff Hardy was. I think Darby I think Darby Allen's a little crazier. Yeah. Um, on some of the stuff he does because he does uh, skating as well, well maybe. too. Well, I don't know, <laughs> maybe, man. But I mean, yeah, Jeff, Jeff's and his Jeff and his yeah. motorcycle shit. That's like, true. Remember, like that's true when they were when during the broken thing, like he they he broke his leg. Yeah. By by doing that stupid motorcycle jump, that's true. Because um, Matt on his ta- podcast, Matt Hardy on his podcast, was talking about like he was like, um, there was a ru- the guy, the other host says like, there's a rumor that you were filming him while he was doing that, and Matt was like, if I were filming that, it would never have happened. Yeah, like he's like, I would never have let Jeff do that bullshit. But yeah, like, but yeah, even I mean, like he would like routinely. I don't know how he didn't get hurt in the rain more often than he did, but. But yeah, I mean, like taking that spear off the ladder. Yeah. Like, I mean, that had to be what fifteen feet to the to the two by fours on the mat. Yeah. And like, he would, not only would he do that, but he would also do the swan time off a ladder too. And you know, everybody yeah. was taking bumps on here. Like a lot of people were falling off ladders. You know, just flat on the on the floor. You know, crotching a lot, going through tables. I mean, this is a wild match. And of course, you know, this is the one where we had the um, all the team had like their seconds. You know what I mean? Like the Dudleys had Spike yeah. Dudley come out and do his little um, spots, his little what do you call that thing? The uh, the, the Dudley, acid drop. yeah, the acid drop, yeah. He did the acid drop on guys. Then we had Rhino out there. He was with Edge of Christian, spearing people, goring people. And then we had Lita with the Hardy Boys out there doing her hurricane round. So you know, pretty fun match. Obviously, it's run by Edge and Christian. Um, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen this match, I mean, obviously, go out of your way and watch it. It's kind of hard to describe all the spots in this match because there's just so many you just crazy have to ones. See it. Yeah, he's got to see it. Uh, but you know, the, all these teams would do a lot of stuff. You know, so this was kind of like the year of Edge a little bit. You know, he would be the winner of the King of the Ring. 
Uh, he would win yep. the Intercontinental Championship. He would kind of go his own separate ways, and he would have a little feud with his brother, uh, well, his character brother, Christian, uh, during this time, yeah. too. So they would actually split up. And you know, I might have said this before, but, you know, anybody's new, like Edge and Christian was always one of my favorite tag teams of all time. I yeah. love these guys. Every era is good. Yes. Uh, I think they're great pretty much everything they do. You know, they're still rocking today. Like, we're still going to see Edge fight Finn Balor in a hell in a cell. This is 22 yep. years later. So 20, yeah, 22 years ago. In, uh, yeah. Christian's in AEW. It's AEW, yeah. So we're having another guy on this yeah. show. 22 years later, going to be on this year's WrestleMania. It's pretty impressive. Yep. yep. And I really like the uh, the uh, the five-second pose era. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. That's, that, I think that's, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They were, they're just a fantastic team. I mean, they had it all. Like, great matches, great personalities, funny. You know what I mean? Like, they could do it all. I like the Brood era, too. I thought they were great during that. Oh, yeah. It's all good. Yeah, their, I mean. Their podcast is great, too. Have yeah. you ever listened to it? Yeah, I listened to it here and there. I mean, pretty much yeah. anything that Edge and Christian have done, I think, has always been great. Even when they're doing their single runs. You know, obviously, Edge had a little bit more success in the E than Christian did. But, you know, Christian had a great career in TNA, and he's doing really good in AEW, too. So this guy, you know, I mean, bona fide, great, um, great talents that we see. And, of course, you know, the Hardy Boys, um, they would go on to uh, do a lot of feuding with the Alliance in this era, too. You know, so Jeff Hardy would actually have one of the best matches on the Invasion pay-per-view this year when he fought RVD. And I thought him and RVD, every time they were in the ring together, like they were just great to each other. Their, their styles just really worked very well with each other. And, uh, of course, the Hardys would also win the WCW Tag Team Championships of this year, too, Allison. Can you believe that? Crazy. And then the Dudley Boys, they would turn heel, and they'd pretty, pretty much be on the uh, the invasion side uh, this whole time of being like like monster heels during this time, so... You know, pretty pretty good era. I think this era is a little more friendlier to Edge and um, the Hardy Boys than it was to the Dudleys, but pretty fun era for everybody. Um, up next, we have Allison's favorite match of the night. We have the Gimmick Battle Royal, brother. All right. Yeah, this was the low point that I was talking about. <laughs> we got the, I re- yeah. <laughs> I, when I watched this again, I remember... Actually, I did not watch this again. I, I forwarded through this. <laughs> but um, what I remember was it took the Iron Sheik fucking forever <laughs> to walk down the ramp. <laughs> Bobby Heaney was like, it's going to be and WrestleMania 38. <laughs> well, that was great. It's going to be WrestleMania 38. Holy fuck. <laughs> he gets to the ring. It's going to be WrestleMania 38 by the time he gets to the ring. <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, during this, this was just like a nice little, like, portion of the show we're just showing a bunch of like old school wrestlers and stuff. Just give them a little nice little stuff. You know, it's kind of sad to see you know, because we talk about these guys all the time on the Retro Blood when we talk about 80s wrestling. You know, it's yeah. just very, it's very sad to see that this is the last thing that uh, Bobby Heenan and um, Gene Oakland basically did. You know, Gene Oakland would do here and there stuff for the WWF, not too much on screen, but he did that confidential show and, you know, stuff like that afterwards. Bobby Heenan, obviously, you know, he had that throat cancer that I believe yeah. happened a couple, um, I don't think it happened, I don't know if it happened on this year, 2001, but it happened relatively soon. It kept him out of a lot of things until he kind of like joined the Hall of Fame. But you know, these guys were great on commentary, though. Like you know, you could tell that they were like super excited to be there. That they were like almost so excited they didn't really know what to say too much because they were so like, you know, super excited about being there. Um, you know, this one was just so random with the people they had there. I mean, we had the fucking 
We had uh, Bushrocker. We had the Bushrockers there. Duke the Drumster Josie. Earthquake, who actually looked pretty good. John Tenta. And I was like always a huge fan of him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was like love John Tenta. Love Earthquake and Typhoon. Yeah. What was his shark gimmick? What was he doing? Yeah, the shark. the shark. One? Oh, that was best. You're right. He was a shark and then like he came on Nitro's like it's like fucking yeah. they call me a shark. I'm not a fucking shark, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> love John Tenta. Love him. Wasn't he the uh was not he the uh, um Oh god, what's the guy who fall who fell with the stormtrooper helmet? Uh, I don't remember. No, I mean, he might have been. That, it might have been somebody else. So we had the goon on there. All right, the goon. Yep. We had Doink the clown. Yeah, Jesus. We Christ, had yeah. Kamala with kimchi. Yep. Repo man. Jim Cornette. <laughs> Can't believe he was actually not <laughs> match. One we talk about a lot. Nikolai Volkov. Mm-hmm. And then we had Freebird, Michael Hayes, One yeah. Man Gang. So he came out his gang instead of Akeem because he had lost so much weight. His Akeem getting cost him this fit. <laughs> so it said. So he wasn't he one man gang first. Yeah, he was one gang, one man gang. But and then he became Akeem the Dream, right? Yeah, he came. Yeah. Then we had the Gobbly Gooker, Hector Guerrero. Yeah. Yeah, Tugboat, Hillbilly Jim, Brother Love, Wait. and Sergeant Solver. Go ahead. Wasn't Tugboat also John Tenta? No, he's Fred Ottman. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. You're right. Fred yeah. Ottman. Yeah. So this That's match didn't, I didn't, I don't think I even watched this match to, to be in with, no. to be honest with you. So I know like the um, uh, Iron Sheik won and he basically won because he, his knees were so bad that he couldn't go over the top rope. So that's why he won. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's absolutely correct. Um I um I also met Iron Sheik around this era too oh, nice. at a convention and that guy could barely walk. Yeah. He was extremely nice to me though. He was not at all like his uh, Twitter persona. Yes. Well, I can see him being pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean? he was he was extremely nice to me. I mean, this match would have well, you know, I I seen this match before. And you know, it's basically just of getting course. these legends in there and doing their thing and getting out there quick. It was just a little break from the problem you know these, the it was good but they didn't it was like these are like some like offbeat characters i guess except for like iron mm-hmm. sheik and you know sergeant slaughter and we we, we we there's some good ta- there's some good old school talent in here so so up next yeah we, and okay. it gave them all a paycheck too yeah that's yeah. what i said it all it gave them all a good paycheck yeah too. one last uh one last uh you know one last ride in the, the big lights there so i could i could appreciate it I wish they'd do more stuff like that. Like I wish we had one of those for this WrestleMania. That'd be fun. Seeing all these guys from yeah, two thousand four, awesome. like Carlito, come out there. Chris Masters <laughs> comes out there. You know what I mean? We have Dude, Deuce and Domino. Great. You know what I mean? Why can't we get those guys? That's like that's like Deuce what Domino <laughs> and uh, yeah. What were uh, Jimmy Snuka's Boogie, kids? Boogie Man, uh, Greg Kali. Boogie Man. Yeah, Jimmy Snuka's kids. Yeah. Wherever the fuck they were. Yeah, let's get them out there, brother. <laughs> It'd be great having that. That would era. be awesome. That would be that'd be yeah. awesome. They should do that. I mean, I would definitely do that. Why not? Just having these guys out here, <laughs> see if anybody would get them. Um, we, hey, we, we got pa- we got Paul London. He's going to the Indie Hall of Fame. We got to have him go out there. So yeah. So the next match is pretty interesting in WrestleMania, like lore. So you know, I, you know, during this time, these are like the two biggest stars. One of the two biggest stars that they had 
you know, in wrestling. So mm-hmm. the next match is Undertaker versus Triple H. Yeah. So a lot of times when people say Undertaker versus Triple H, they think of that WrestleMania like 27 match that they had in Atlanta. You know, yes. everybody always kind of thinks like that's their first match, but it wasn't. Their first what? match actually happened at this show in 2001. And to be honest with you, the best part of this match was Triple H's entrance. Okay. Because this guy came out to fucking Motorhead, which was awesome. So, you know, Undertaker, you know, obviously Undertaker's from Texas. I think he's from Houston, isn't he? And of course, he got a big uh, ovation during this match. And the match is okay, but it wasn't anything like too much special, you know. You know, they fought over the arena and stuff. And then eventually, Undertaker picked up the win with the last ride. So, but, um, you know, this year, you know, Undertaker and Triple H, they would do a lot. So, Triple H actually, you know, after this, he would form the two-man power trip with Steve Austin. Yeah. Which is which a kind of, is kind of, I was going to say, that's kind of an unheard of thing. Yeah. Going to, to think that going into this match. Yes. Because. But the next match was going to happen and then th- change everything. Yes. But um, had Triple H... Uh, I'm trying to think of what 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 era this is. Had Triple H? No, he he couldn't have had. He couldn't have done the whole thing with Stephanie yet, right? What do you mean? No, no, he definitely didn't. I was gonna say he didn't do the thing where he drugged Stephanie. No, yeah, yeah he already did that. Married her. Yeah, we've already. That's already happened. Yeah, that's already happened. But we're deep into the okay. uh, McMahon Helmsley stuff. Okay, all right. Yeah, all they've right, been married. Right. So he's that yeah, happened. Okay, Allison, right. that happened in 1999. At the end of 99. Did it really? Yeah. Holy shit. That happened in 1999 and the whole 2000. That makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense because the uh, WrestleMania a year ago, the WrestleMania main event 2000 was the, uh, uh, they had a McMahon in every corner. Yes, you got it. Yeah, and she was in his corner. So yeah, okay, you're right. So so the big big thing about Triple H in in 2001, we got to go back a little bit back to 2000. So it was revealed at the Survivor Series of 2000 that Triple H was the man who ran over Steve Austin at the previous Survivor Series to broke his neck. You know, yes. I, well, right. he didn't run him over, but he he basically was the one who who planned it. Like he paid off Rikishi, or he was in cahoots with Rikishi, and Rikishi is the one who ran over Steve Austin to break his neck. But it was revealed that Triple H was the mastermind behind the whole plan, and that kind of started yeah. off the feud with Triple H versus Austin. And then, of course, at the, the pay-per-view right before WrestleMania 17, we had that three stages of hell match between Austin and Triple H where you would think, okay, you know, Austin, he won the Royal Rumble. He has a guaranteed shot at, at the champion. We don't know who the champion is. Right now it's Kurt Angle, but we don't know who the champion is because Kurt Angle and The Rock are going to fight for the belt. And, you know, Austin's going to face Triple H. He's been in this rival with Triple H ever since Survivor Series. He's probably just going to beat Triple H. He's going to go on with The Rock. But no, what happens? Triple H actually wins the three stages of hell match. And there's actually a reason why he won that match. And I guess the original plan was supposed to be Triple H was supposed to be the the baby face coming out of WrestleMania 17 to be like the big hero against Austin. But I don't think Triple H wanted to do that. He wanted to stay a heel. So that's how we formed the two-man power trip. And that's how we had the them face the the baby faces of Kane and Undertaker, and then eventually later on Chris Jericho and uh, Chris Benoit. And of course, during that tag match on Raw, 
that I talked about earlier. That's where Triple H <coughs> tore his quad, and that's why he was out for the rest of 2000 until he came back at the Royal Rumble of 2002 and he got that huge ovation um, mm-hmm. at the Madison Square Garden, which I actually yes. believe that actually happened in uh, 2000. Like, later, like I mean, right? No, that happened like in Jan- I think January of 2002. So, but uh, but yeah, and of course Undertaker, you know, during this whole time he was he had that great feud with DDP. You know what I mean? Where the Undertaker, you know, DDP yeah, was stalking yeah. his wife, Sarah. Stock, yeah, stalking his wife. So DDP was the heel, which is weird. Yeah. And then he got uh, he got that Sarah tattoo on his neck that, you know, he had to cover up later Then he got on. it removed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he had that, he had that uh, match with Chronic. I mean, this guy had a year, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he yeah, did turn never, heel. Yeah. He did turn heel, yeah. He turned heel because... And he got Limp Biscuit music. Yeah. What a horrible year for the Undertaker. <laughs> you also had that Kid Rock <laughs> yeah. music, right? Too. Yeah, he had Lip Biscuit and he had the Kid oh, Rock. Oh God! Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. But remember, like he turned heel. It was after all the evasion shit was over. All right, because he was pretty much a babyface during this whole era. You know, fighting DDP, fighting Canyon yeah. and DDP, fighting Chronic. You know, fighting all these WCW guys, and he was part of that big, you know, six man at Survivor Series. But then, like he like. It was like during a segment where I think it had Jim Ross in there, and Jim Ross like refused to kick kiss McMahon's ass. So Undertaker was there, and he's like, he's like, you refuse to kiss his ass. He's like, yeah. I was like, why well, been kissing his ass? You know why? This man gave you everything. So Undertaker like I guess beat up Jr. and that's what kind of turned him into like the uh, the heel American badass. And then he would go on to the next year's WrestleMania to fight Ric Flair. As a heel persona, so. But yeah, that's what they were doing over there. But you know, this match, like I said, you know, when people mostly think about the WrestleMania matches between Triple H and um, Undertaker, they usually think about their their three um, classic matches that they had: the um, the twenty seven match, the uh, Hell in a Cell one, and um, and yeah, those ones over there. So. But you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see that they uh, they actually can have like that many back to back WrestleMania matches, you know, like these guys have you know part of the Undertaker streak. Triple H has been there a lot of times, so pretty cool to deal with. But everybody, we have now arrived at our main event, and boy, yes. what a main event this was! I a mean, match that would change everything. Change, my God! So. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize like this match is like very special because I don't really remember the WWF doing a lot of false finishes before this match. I mean, they had a not nowadays we see it all the time. You know what I mean? Like in big matches, we'll have a a big move, kick out, big move, kick out, big move, kick out. You know, I don't really remember the WWF doing a whole lot of that. They would usually do. One or two interferences, kick out of that, and then do one big move, and that's it. Like this one, like I mean, Austin hit rock bottom, kick out, uh, a steel chair, kick out, uh, do this, kick out. I mean, it was just like fuck, like and it it, it worked obviously. The false finishes worked yeah. on the crowd. It was just like it was just something special because I think after they did this, they would they would do that formula like a little bit more, you know, like it was kind of like a formula they they kind of developed while doing like this match. Uh, but basically, the backstory to this match was, you know, we had Steve Austin had that big neck injury, like yeah. So he came back kind of like close to the Survivor Series, uh, 
Actually, I think he came back at no mercy in 2000. You know, he fought Rikishi. We found out Rikishi's the one that ran him over. You know, we already talked about Steve Austin winning the Royal Rumble, you know, fighting Triple H. And the the build <laughs> to this uh, yeah. match was kind of like weird. All right. So, you know, we had The Rock. The Rock's way here was he, he, um, he basically, he, he didn't win the Royal Rumble. And he got a title shot with Kurt Angle at No Way Out. And he beat Kurt Angle for the belt. So we have Rock, you know, as a new, new champion, only has been a champion for a month, facing off against Steve Austin at WrestleMania. And the beginning of this build was like basically, so at this time, this is when Steve Austin and Deborah were married. And yes. this McMahon was trying to fuck with Austin and Rock by giving, by making Deborah Rock's manager. And I was supposed to like anger Steve Austin. And I think they only did it for like two weeks and then they just dropped it because it was so dumb. <laughs> you know? And the, the, uh, yeah. the, the, the actual like bill was kind of clunky. It would just be like, okay, Austin would look at the rock and he would stun him. Or he would pretend to st- he was gonna look, you know, it's gonna be like tease, tease stunning him, tease not stunning him. Then he would actually stun him, then he would rock bottom him. Then they would do like, you know, taunt each other with the beer cans. But to me, what really solidified the feud and really got this match going was when they did the sit-down interview with Jim Ross, The Rock, and Austin in that little locker room. And Austin was basically saying to Rock, like, listen, I need to beat you, Rock. I need to beat you. I need this more than anything. I need to beat you for this championship. You know, I I need to beat you because, you know, you've been the the top guy and I'm, I'm coming for it. You know, I have to beat you no matter what. And I always thought that was like one of the best like promo segments for a main event. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, going into this match, I'm trying to remember. Didn't we just think it was basically a rehash of WrestleMania 15? Like Rock versus Austin again, except they were both kind of faces at this time. Yes, so it was a little different than 15 because, you know, 15, obviously Rock was the main heel the main corporation well, course, champion, yes. and Austin was the guy who this man was trying to stop the most against the main event, but he couldn't. You know, this match right. is basically the two biggest stars that are the two biggest baby faces going yeah. out of each other. And, you know, at first it was just kind of like, you know, they they were trying to do something where make them both not get booed, you know? Yeah. But I think, like, what really, you know, what really, like, helped this main event was that sit-down interview that they had. Because it yes. really showed like the more personalities of how these two star athletes, you know, we don't need this bullshit of Deborah. We don't need this bullshit of like canning beers to each other. No, what we're going to do is we're going to have the two biggest stars in the industry, you know, go at it in the main event of WrestleMania for the top title. And we're going to show everybody why we're like the two main championships. And Rock's like, you know, I got to beat you, Austin. Like you, you're coming back for my spot. I've been the top guy for the whole year, you know, while you're gone built this company, and then Austin's like, I got to come back. I got to prove to you I'm still that number one guy. You know, and they did all that in one interview. Basically, yes, saying all exactly. that. And that basically, to me, that saved the build. You know what I mean? And that's what I think is something like, you know, the the Cody and the uh, the Roman segment. You know what I mean? Like, there's something like they kind of mm-hmm. did as well, too. Like, sometimes you don't need the best build. You know, every segment has to be the great. As long as you have one great promo or one great segment telling everybody 
why these two people are on the top spot. You know? Given that way. So Right. Right, exactly. So this match is pretty wild. Like, bro, when this Austin came out there, I mean my God. That bill you might as well think that building's like fucking just gonna like blow up. I mean that shit this guy was so popular. I mean obviously, you know, it's Steve Austin, biggest star in wrestling at the time. In in his hometown of Texas, facing the rock, everybody's booing Rock out of the building. All right, you know Rock, he did get some cheers and stuff, but you could tell yeah. this crowd was all over you know Austin, you know, and you could tell in this match like they did a pretty. You, you can tell that there's something going on because you know Rock. The whole story to this match was Austin is trying everything to beat the Rock. He's bringing he's bringing the sharpshooter. You know, what I mean, he's bringing in the ring bell. You know, somehow mm-hmm. somebody turned this into a no disqualification match. All right. He's hitting Rock with the ring bell, busting him open. Rock busts him open with a turn bell, turn, turn, uh, the exposed uh, turnbuckle. You know, we're using the, the, the championship on each other. You know, we're using each other's finishers on each other. We do this great segment that um, reminds us of WrestleMania 13 where Austin's bleeding in the sharpshooter. He gives Rock the sharpshooter. Vince McMahon yeah, walks yeah. out. This is where it all turns weird. Rick's man walks out. Uh, so, okay. So I know what you're about to say, but uh-huh. before you say that, so I remember when I watched this match again, Yeah, I had not seen it since it was new. Yeah. And I, but I remembered me. So back then, back in the day before you had the internet, um, what we would all do was we would all meet at one person's house the person that had the largest tube television. Yeah. And and we would all throw in money and we would get pay-per-views that way. So that's how we used to do it. So so I remember this specifically. We were all gathering uh uh we all gathered at this at, at our at the, our friend's house for WrestleMania X7 as it was called. And um I remember going through this match when this match was going um, so and I know what you're about to say and about how where it starts to get weird, but at one point in this match, I can't remember if it's happened already or if it's gonna happen, but Steve Austin uses the million dollar dream on yes. the rock. Yes. Which is like um which is like, you know, his mat his his finisher when Ted DiBiase was his manager and he was the ringmaster. So before he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. So as soon as that happened, my friend was like, he's gonna turn heel. Oh wow! Like he knew at that moment. Like he knew as soon as he, because like this guy before I met you and yeah. before I became the wrestling genius that I am today. Yes. Um, this guy knew more about wrestling than anybody I'd ever met in my life. And like as soon as you put the million dollar dream on, he was like, "Austin's going to turn heel." You know, and I'm like, um, wow. So as a as a wrestling uh, connoisseur as I am nowadays, I can mm-hmm. tell too when that happened yeah. because you know obviously. You could, like I was saying, you could tell that in this match, Austin was like desperate. And he basically yeah. said it on his promo, like, he's desperate to beat The Rock. So he's basically doing anything he can to beat The Rock while bringing out a move he hasn't used since like, what, 96, 97? The million dollar yeah. dream. And obviously he used that move when he was a heel. So you could tell, mm-hmm. which your friend was smart about, that you could tell that Austin's being a little more heelish in this match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was the first one to use the ring bell. He was the first one to use all this mm-hmm. stuff, the ring steps. He was the first one to use all this sharpshooter. He was the first one to use all this heel stuff on there. So, yeah. 
But yeah, you could kind of see that match. You know, during the time, I didn't know that because, you know, when I was watching this match live, I didn't know anything about Steve Austin's like 96 or 97 pass because I, I, you know, at, at the time, brother, you know what I mean? They didn't have the fucking network where I can just go back at 97 and watch all of it. You know what I mean? Like, if I wanted to find that shit, I was like, I got, I had to basically not see it, you know? Like, they didn't really have, they might have had, like, maybe a best of later on of 97 or something, 96. But I yeah. I, I only knew Steve Austin from, like, 1998, so I didn't know anything about his million-dollar dream. I heard about it, but I didn't know, you know. Yeah, I didn't either. Anything yeah. about that. So, but, you know, obviously, if you're watching, you're a long-time fan, you probably would have caught that little detail. Right. Um, but, you know, we got McMahon out there. You know, first, you could tell Rock pins him, and he, uh, Rock takes, you know, pulls Rock off. And we're kind of like, well, what the hell's going on here? And it was really weird how they did this. So you think that if McMahon was going to go align with Austin, they would be like, he would do one thing, and then it would just be like, okay, well, shit, you know, McMahon, you know, stop Rock from pinning, and Austin beat him in one. But no, this was like a good, like, 10 minutes after McMahon came down, they were trying to beat up the Rock some more. Like, everything they were doing to the Rock wasn't working. You know, at this time. So what did you feel about that? Like, McMahon coming down there, and like, helping Austin, but it taking like a, a long, like a long, long time to do. Like it was like a, you know, cause most of the time when we see like a shocking turn or a shocking alliance, you know, the, mm. the person doing it will, will come down there, maybe give them a low blow or distract them. The other person would stun them, get them with a the chair and then that's it. Then we'd like, you know, we'd be quick. You'd be like, Oh shit. Like this is all happening so sudden. Like these two are meeting like this one. McMahon comes down there, pulls the rock off, gives Austin a chair, kick out, kick out, <laughs> gives him another chair, kick out rock, beats him up for a little bit, stun him, kick out. It's like it was just like it just you know it's it, we were doing a lot of false finishes over here. I just thought it was very, very interesting of how they how they booked that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean I mean that was really interesting. Um so now it's been a few days since I've watched this. I should have watched the show again, but um the it, to me, this whole match seemed kind of like a slow burn turn, kind of. Um, so, you know, because McMahon comes down at first, and you don't know what he's down there for, and then eventually Triple H comes down, I believe, and then they they all fight together. They all fight, all, or they all beat up Rock together. Well, no, 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 but, no, no. Um, Are you talking about, like, on this wrong? show? Am I wrong about that? No, no, no. They beat up The Rock with Triple H. That's the next night on Raw. Oh, oops. Sorry. <laughs> um, spoilers. But uh yeah, um but yeah, I remember like it seemed like it was like this slow turn like yeah. cuz you know a lot of a lot of heel turns are real quick. Like somebody'll yeah. just turn on somebody else and then they're like, "Oh my god, like, he's a bad he's actually a bad guy blah, blah blah." But this was like a really slow turn. Yeah. And um the uh um yeah, so like when man came out like I mean, I thought the way they did it was great. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. I, th- it's um, just, it, I thought yeah, it was different. I mean, it was shocking at the time, though. Yeah. I just thought, I thought it was kind of interesting how they did that. You know, because then basically what happened, you know, after Rock is kicking out all the stuff, Rock Bottoms and Stunners and stuff, you know, basically McMahon gives Austin a chair. Austin takes it, smashes Rock a bunch of times very violently and stuff. Crowd's going crazy. Like, mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck about Austin being a hill. They just want to see him win. And eventually right. Austin pins him, wins the title, Grabs a beer and drinks a beer with McMahon and shakes his hand. And, of course, Jim Ross is like, what the hell's going on? He sold his soul to the devil. And this starts the Steve Austin heel turn that 
pretty much made wrestling kind of go down heel a little bit. Yes, I, I would agree. Somehow um, he brings it back. I don't remember what the main event of WrestleMania 18 was, but uh, WrestleMania 19 was the final Steve Austin match, yes. right? Well, the rest yeah, so he was 18 was two more uh, years. well. 18 was weird because 18 had the Rock versus Hogan, which should have main evented, but the actual true main event was Triple H versus Jericho for the undisputed titles. Mm. 18. Okay. You don't remember? I 18 guess you're right. I guess it. No, okay. I guess it was. Yeah. Um. Wait a minute. No, so 18 was the final Austin match. Then. No, no, no. 19 was the final Austin match. That was like two years. Austin didn't. Austin fought um Scott Hall at WrestleMania 18 during the NWO stuff. Who did he fight in his final match? The Rock. But that oh, was okay. On, that so was that's, on not my, that's not okay. My memory was wrong then. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So okay. You're okay. So what I was thinking of was 18. So yeah. never mind. So what I was thinking of was 18. So 18 was the NWO era. Yes. Yeah, and the main event should have been Hogan and Rock, but th- I don't think anybody knew that that match was going to be as big as it was. Yeah, I don't know how they didn't know, but I I don't I don't think that they knew that it was going to be that big. Yeah, or I um, think they just wanted the the titles too to be like a little bit you know showcase a little bit more too. Yeah. But but you know like during this you know obviously Austin he was going strong like he so basically so what happened was a couple months you know austin i guess felt like his baby face character was getting a little stale so he came up with the idea to turn heel and he brought the vixen man and right. man at first was like no but eventually you know austin's a big star you know obviously he's the biggest star they have and when you're a big star like that you kind of get your way on certain things so i don't think vixen man wanted to do it at first but he's like okay let's give it a try all right and so they gave it a try right. And so there's a couple, I I think what happened, so a lot of people don't like the heel run of Steve Austin during 2001. I am not mm-hmm. one of those guys. I actually really like this era of Steve Austin. I thought he was a lot more vers- versatile, like a lot more funnier. Um, I thought he was a great heel. Um, I thought this the, the aggression of him was a little bit more. You know, I could, you know, but you know, Obviously, if you're a fan during this time, you know, you got to have like a top baby face. You do. You know, the kids want to see the top baby faces. The crowd want to see someone to get behind. You know, the problem was, was when Austin turned heel, they really didn't have like a backup baby face. Now, you would think, okay, well, we got The Rock. I mean, he's basically like neck and neck with Austin. The problem with The Rock was... After the next night on Rus- uh, Raw, they beat him up, and then he went off to fucking film a movie. And then when yeah. he came, when then when he came back near SummerSlam time, it was it the Scorpion King? Yeah, yeah, it was because yeah. he he filmed the Mummy in two thousand. The Scorpion King was in two thousand one. Yes. So but when Rock came back, it was like near SummerSlam, and that's already been like what about four or five months after the whole WrestleMania thing. So he just went to a program with Booker T. So yeah, he came. Didn't he come back as? Uh, to choose between WWF and WCW. Yes, yes. and they all yeah. thought he was going to go to WCW, but then he turned on uh, Shane, and he you know, obviously mm-hmm. stayed with the WWF, and that's when he had that main event match with Booker T at that SummerSlam. And then, you know, Austin and The Rock really didn't touch again um, pff, uh, for, for, uh, almost not even until that WrestleMania 19. So almost it was like a, yeah. 
like on a home a year or two later. The only time I remember seeing Austin and Rock touch is when I went to, I said this on, on the Retro Blood, but during 2001, you know, a little personal thing here, you know, I moved from Miami to Texas. And while I did that, I won some uh, some tickets for my mom. She got to a, she did a raffle for when she bought her car that she still has today. She won a, a raffle and they gave her some free uh, two wrestling front row tickets to a house show. Right. And this house show was like smack dead right in front of the fucking invasion era. All right. So we had a hodgepodge of everybody on that show, which is great yeah. for me at the time. I got to see a lot of the people I like and I, I still cherish the house show to this day. You know, I got to see like Raven, one of my favorites. I got to see RVD up close and personal, one of my favorites. I got to meet, uh, well, I didn't get to meet him. I got to see one of uh, Allison's favorite, meet Sean Stasiak. I got to see him up close. Meet. Yeah. All right. I mean, come on. I mean, how, what, what, how much better can you get? And then, meet. And then, yeah. Sorry. And then, <laughs> I saw the Dudley Boys up front in person. And the main oh, yeah. event on that show was WWF champion The Rock versus WCW champion The Rock. Yeah. So we've talked about that. You've mentioned that before, yeah. but that had to have been because they were in a big market, right? Yeah. They were in Dallas. Surely you wouldn't have. At that, at a house show, at a at a smaller city than no. Dallas, right? No, no, definitely not. I, I it was weird yeah, because I, mean, I don't even remember that match being like advertised. But then again, I was younger during the time. But I just remember showing up. And they're like, okay, it's up next is the Rock and Austin. I was like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> and like, like, which is crazy yeah, because I mean, like crazy. they weren't feuding on TV at the time. Like they were, you know, they were in different factions. But they Austin was feuding with Kurt Angle during that time. Kurt Angle and RVD. And then Rock was feuding with Booker T and Shane. But it just so happens that this house show, they were fighting each other. And, we, you know, during this time, we, we didn't, you know, during that house show I saw, we didn't see them fight until the WrestleMania 17. So I basically got to see the rematch up close and personal of that 2001 era. So right. I, was, I always liked that. It was like right. one of my favorite shows I've ever been to. So. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the whole heel austin that didn't even last a whole year all right basically by yes. december he was back to being a baby face he basically became a baby face after the whole uh, survivor series you know the team wcw lost and then like it was like a weird turn like he basically like i guess booker t blamed him for losing and then he was in this feud with booker t for a little bit and then austin just so happened to become a super popular baby face again and did the whole what treatment. Yeah. What? Yeah. We right. got the whole, you know, I that's when the, shit. that's when the, what was really going popular. They, they made shirts about it. They made everything about it. It was basically getting over like the yes chant did. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course we didn't know it was going to stay <laughs> 22 years Forever. later, but <laughs> yeah, but uh very interesting year Austin had, but I actually very, I personally, I love this 2001 Austin era. You know, I thought he did great at the WrestleMania 17 main event. I thought the two-man power trip was a nice little, like, heel gr- tag team where they won all the belts and stuff, beating everybody's ass. Um, Him, you know, I liked his matches that he had with Chris Benoit and him being, like, a slimy heel. I liked him being a funny heel. You know, he had those funny segments with Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon. He had a great SummerSlam match with Kurt Angle during that year. Um, and then, of course, you know, later on, he would just uh, go back to his babyface character and, you know, then he would eventually feud with the, the NWO. But um, but I could see, you know, during this time, like it just, you know, obviously they, you know, 
they did it kind of fumble the invasion era. You know what I mean? Because I, I, yeah, I think so, yeah. Because you know, you're thinking about okay, you got all these WCW guys. Where's the Goldberg? Where's the Sting? Where's the Ric Flair? Where's the Hollywood Hogan? Where's the Kevin Nash? Where's the Stott Steiner? They're not there. Well, yeah, that's not what where I think that they fumbled. My my big my big complaint was I loved the invasion angle, the invasion era story until ECW and WCW teamed up. And I didn't like it after that. Like I really wanted to see this three-way faction battle between all three of these groups. I wanted to see ECW like really taking on the other the other two as an equal and that just didn't happen. Are you telling me you don't like the best ECW owner of all time, Stephanie McMahon? That's the, that's exactly what I'm saying, yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> so, and then, of course, you know, The yeah. Rock during this time, he'd come back. He would do the uh, the whole program with Booker T, you know, kind of yeah. being like the big baby face side of the, uh, the WWF. He was on the uh, Team WWF, you know, yeah. versus the Alliance versus the WWF. And then, of course, he would... Uh, he would end the year going into WrestleMania the next year facing Hollywood Hogan, which, which would be another huge match in The Rock's career. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I always liked this era of 2001. I love this WrestleMania. I thought this era had some great shows. I mean, we saw, there's, you know, it, this era does get a lot of hate because of the whole evasion crap that, you know, the whole evasion and then the Rock, the Austin yeah. being a little bit bad guy. But this, this year had some really good stuff. You know, we had this mm-hmm. great WrestleMania with this great main event. You know, we had the TLC match. We had two of them this year. We had one on WrestleMania 17. Then we had that SmackDown one, that which was fantastic, mm-hmm. which uh, Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho won. You know, yeah. we had the rise of RVD. All right, new new star. Um, we have the um, we had the uh, Kurt Angle. You know, being a little bit more serious, getting way over. You know, he was basically almost a top baby face, facing off against the Alliance uh, for most of the most of the year, um, until he like randomly like turned, and he joined the Alliance. But then he was like a mole for Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. <And they're, laughs> so that's what happened too. And um, you know we had Paul Heyman doing really great. I, I liked it. You know we got a lot of we got to see a lot of stars. You know the only the only thing I think they really did fumble a lot was uh, was DDP. You know during this time because yeah. you know DDP was a huge star in WCW and that's a face. I, that's a face. Yes. Like it, yeah. I think if they would have done like a, a you know DDP versus The Rock, I think it could have worked out. You know, people's champ versus yeah. people's champ or something like that. I wanted the pay per views, but they want to make him like a weird stalker. You know, I guess they didn't really like him. I think the problem was with DDP. I guess him and Undertaker just didn't get along at first, and that kind of like really hurt his uh, career there. So, huh, I didn't know that. I guess I would. I guess I assumed that Undertaker wanted to work with DDP, which is why that happened. But I guess that's not the case. No, I heard they. Uh, I Man, I could be wrong, but I heard they they had some like you know backstage stuff. Undertaker didn't really like his style and stuff like that. They just weren't gelling that well, you know. Because right. he didn't, you know, it just you know this happens like that. You know, you go somewhere else and you just you're not as big as you were. I mean, look at the Goldberg stuff that we'll see next year, 2002. So oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a lot. So, but everybody, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys are all excited for WrestleMania tonight. 
We just wanted watch to it. we just wanted yes, watch it everybody. Night one of WrestleMania should be a good one. Uh, we just wanted to jump on here on the lights out. We do this show every once in a while, like like our sister podcast, mm-hmm. a little alternative podcast of the Retro Blood. Usually on the Retro Blood, we talk about all about eighties wrestling, but you know, there's so much wrestling out there, and especially during this uh year two thousand one. I mean, I just know me and Allison just know so much about this time period, this this era and stuff. And yeah. It was 22 years to the date. WrestleMania 17, one of the highest rated WrestleManias of all time. Um, It was one of the biggest box office WrestleManias they had during this period as well, too. With a fantastic main event. So I appreciate everybody listening to us. Going down memory lane of 2001. Talking all about 2001 Limp Bizkit and (laughs) the the glory heirs of New Metal and all Holy that shit fuck. and yeah. the great wrestling. At least he had great wrestling, you know, during this time. We did. So. We did have good wrestling. Yeah, rolling, rolling, rolling. But everybody, rolling. I hope you guys enjoy night one of WrestleMania and night two. But don't forget this Sunday on the Retro Blood. Yep. Me and Jay Allison, we're starting off our Science Month or Mad Scientist there on Retro mm-hmm. Blood, talking all about the Fly Brother. It's gonna be great. Yes. We got some. We got some. We got some wrestling to watch. We got some. We got some horror movies to watch. It's gonna be a great weekend, everybody. So hope you all enjoyed this podcast as we prepare for night one of WrestleMania. Hope you guys enjoy WrestleMania two tomorrow, and I hope you listen up to the Retro Blood. I hope you guys all have a great weekend, and we will see you later here on the Lights Out, brother. Oh yeah. See you guys.
you're the next one and nothing to kill You don't believe it but I'm betting that you will Stop, no! I'll let you live a little bit with the pain that I bring You know it's only the beginning Stop breaking nothing in Next one and not the kill You don't believe it but I'm betting that you 